For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Morning all. I um, was seeing some video footage being shared last night of uh, an attack on a man who was hospitalised after an alleged assault um, on the north side. Gardaí investigating an assault and criminal damage that is supposed to have happened saw video footage of the aftermath of it in Nahini last night. We got a statement from the Guardi. It doesn't make the papers, but it makes online news. They're investigating the assault, criminal damage. Uh, one man injured during the course of the incident, taken to Cork University Hospital for treatment. A lot of Guardi there and paramedics and ambulance and what have you. So that's an, uh, an interesting one from overnight. Um, unfortunately, uh, issues of lawlessness on Side. The Echo this morning is carrying a story that um, there are 16% of the staff levels within CAMS, the child and adolescent mental health services um, in the Cork and Kerry area. That means there are 20 jobs that should be filled that haven't been jobs. And they're probably very serious jobs in the lines of psychiatrists and doctors and psychiatric nurses and social workers and occupational therapists and speech and language therapists and childcare workers and admin staff. So take your pick amongst those if you're on a waiting list with a son or a daughter. And an awful lot of people are, say, for instance, uh, on a waiting list for occupational therapists. You can see, as one example there will give you, that a lot of the reasons why people are waiting around to get their children seen is they haven't filled all of the jobs. It's shocking. Um, yesterday on the air, we were talking with Noreen O'Neill, talking about shocking. Uh, Owen English picks up on the story in the examiner this morning. Uh, her son, uh, Gary, uh, who has spina bifida uh, at the age of 39, is now housebound because he is waiting two months now for repair to his wheelchair. On top of that, they're living in a house in Mayfield with no heating because the whole system was shut down because of a carbon monoxide leak. Cork City Council are their landlords. What are they doing about it? Nothing. Uh, I have some updates on that from yesterday morning's programme, which we'll come back to. Then the issues of where do we find places to put people who are coming into the country for lots of different reasons. There are 5,000 already who are in direct provision who could move out of direct provision if they could find somewhere to live. And that's why I was telling you yesterday that there's a number within direct provision who are refusing to move out because they can't find anywhere to go. And that's causing, well, I was saying you could call it a looming crisis, but I think it is a crisis. Mail call it a looming crisis. They look at the Cork figure, the amount of people in direct provision who are allowed to stay in the country but are still in direct provision in Cork is 635. They could go and just get on with their lives, but they ain't got nowhere to go. So they're looking for thousands um, of new accommodation places for people to move out of direct provision. And that's why the examiner is saying that Ireland needs four more refugee transit hubs now at this stage. Um, You might have heard as well that there was an historic building in Dublin set on fire last night uh, because, uh, you know, there was rumours on social media that it was due to become a centre for asylum seekers. So what did people do? Some people, they burnt it down instead. So we'll need at least four more large temporary accommodation facilities for refugees and asylum seekers because we have run out and we ran out quite some time ago. At the same time, alarmingly, if you look at YouTube, there's over a million views of what the examiner calls this morning anti-migrant protest streams. So this is um, streamers and live streams um, from seven Irish YouTube accounts uh, filming anti-migrant protests uh, were viewed over a million times. 
during the first days of 2023. Um, this is an analysis of, of just seven YouTube accounts um, where and the examiner drills into it saying you have live streamers making references to fake UGs, people trafficking and that we're turning into the plantation of Ireland. Um, so in spite of what's being said and how much of it is truthful and how much of it is off the mark, over a million people are viewing these YouTube videos just in the early days of January 2023 alone. And of course, our drug issues just go from bad to worse and will continue to go from bad to worse. Read out an email yesterday of one of the tradespeople who was working in the city for a week recently and what he described on a daily basis from 8 in the morning to 5 in the afternoon up around Bishop Lucy Park is just insane, the amount of drug dealing, the amount of drug use. And if you think it's from one particular fraternity of society, Society. It's not. It's all walks of society. All sorts of different people from socio-demographic groups are going in there to buy their drugs from dealers. Um, but you know who the runners are? And more to the point, those who were actually doing the dealing, they're young kids. And this morning, the mirror says they're as young as 13. Ireland's drug runners are age 13. They're doing the dealers dirty work these days, by all accounts. And that's the story that makes the tabloids today. And also, you talk about issues involving our courts or assault. That's a terrible, terrible story of this very violent man. He attempted to murder his heavily pregnant partner. And forgive me for saying that this hour of the morning, but he says, I'll rip the baby out of you, he said. And he kicked her in the stomach. Now, uh, Lisa Ward lost the baby. Um, and he now is before the courts. Now, sentencing has been um, adjourned until sometime in February. But Dean Paget has pleaded guilty to attempting to murder his ex Lisa Ward, and he's also accepted the fact around intentionally ending the life of the fetus, his own unborn child. Isn't it a shocking world we live in all the same? And then a story that's gathering momentum slowly but surely. Uh, it's this, um, this, this, this secret that's been buried for over 30 years uh, where the state um, was charging and overcharging nursing home care patients when they shouldn't have been. And they buried it. And Brenda Power this morning is right on the money when she says it's another scandal that proves that the cervical check cover-up exposed by Vicky Phelan courageously was not an Irish government's first rodeo. They had done this kind of thing before and they did it with regards to this secret nursing home scandal. And then, they, 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 of course, they circled the wagons and tried to bury it. And the victims who came across the fact that they were being wronged and overcharged, and some of them lost all of their life savings. In some cases, people had to sell the family home. It was shameless, really, this scam that the state was engaged in. The victims were told to get lost. Brenda Power says, the victims were told they didn't have a leg to stand on. Most of the families, the perpetrators reckoned, the perpetrators being the state, most of the families wouldn't have the resources to get a legal team. And the suckers would be scared off by uh, the defence tactics of the state. And their savings would be gone and their farms would be gone. Their family homes might have been sold or lost and many went away. But those that didn't went away, those that did contest it legally, were paid off quietly, very quietly, because the state knew that if any one of these cases ever got into court the floodgates would open and the state would be 12 billion euro in the hole. Um, so doesn't that strike you of very, very similar tactics when it came to the cervical smear scandal? And now apparently they're saying that the Taoiseach Leo Varadkar signed off 
on secret payouts for families overcharged by nursing homes. It's absolutely shocking. Um, it really is absolutely unbelievable. And another story that we dealt with yesterday on the air is the, um, the, the choice people have as to whether they have a fixed rate mortgage or a tracker mortgage. And the advice is to get out of tracker mortgage as fast as you can. And the clock is t- ticking on this. According to the Independent this morning, race to lock in low rates for tracker mortgage customers is slowly but surely, um, you know, ticking away. So tracker mortgage customers with AIB and Ulster Bank have been warned that they're running out of time to lock in to attractive fixed rates. And it's thought at this stage, mind you, the caveat here is take independent financial advice on this. Uh, but many people yesterday were telling me that they got out of trackers and got into fix because you just don't know where things are going. So you don't. And a topic that's never too far uh, from the airwaves is people who park in disability parking spaces and many, many disabled motorists. And I've got photo. In fact, only on Friday, I got more photographs from people who were sending me shots of, of in one case, it was a van that was parked in a disability spot. And another was a van parked so close illegally to a disability spot that the person in the wheelchair couldn't get out of their own car. Shock and carry on, not really thinking of other people's needs. So there's a big push on now by disability groups to sort it out once and for all, just to keep people out of disability base because they're cheats. But they also want to crack down on people who are also illegally using disability parking holders, you know, as in the actual parking permits themselves, and they shouldn't. And we live in a country, and certainly in a city and a county, that is just plagued by potholes, craters, trenches, and sunken manholes. I've never seen the road so bad in the city, the suburbs across the county. I've never seen the road so bad on the entrance and exit to all villages across Cork and Kerry. I don't know why that is, but it's just an absolute holy show. So there's a fella in this morning's mirror saying that people need to step up and start suing the councils more for damaged rims, for burst tyres. An instructor, a driving instructor, says that he was reimbursed 93 euro for a tyre bust in a pothole. Has anybody done that successfully? I know I spoke to people in the past who have, but I'd like to talk to more. Because Andy McGinnity got uh, 100 grand from Meath County Council after his tyre was destroyed. Now, I imagine you need to take a photograph of the tyre immediately and a photograph of the pothole because you're going to need evidence. But it was so deep that the tyre blew straight Completely right through the tyre, just burst like a balloon. We we yesterday were chatting off air. What were the two bridges we spoke about yesterday? Do you remember? I was talking about the the massive, massive crater pothole right in the middle of a traffic lane going across two Cork bridges, which were Michael Collin Bridge over to Eamon de Valera Bridge. And there it is, day after day, week after week, and nobody doing anything about it. So sue the county council and sue city council. Anybody done it, do get in touch. Text 0868104106. So I'll come back to that a little later on. Don't even get me started now on, on parking or traffic or potholes. I'll be here all morning. Leah Varadkar also agrees with uh, President Michael D. Higgins and me, and I've been saying it for many years, that homework should be completely uh, abolished. They should do it all in school. We'll even stay a little bit longer if you want. But when you come home... It should be quality time and it should be other things rather than homework. I hope that we arrive at a stage in the world where that's absolutely gone. Hopefully, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, you know, what's that chat bot? I can never get the damn thing right. Chat GPT. Chat GPT. If you're struggling with trying to write a, the perfect Valentine cards or a poem for your loved one, 
it'll do it for you by all accounts chat GPT so they're picked up on that in this morning's times this morning English times it's an artificial intelligence bot and it looks ready to revolutionize education but now it will also help people who are falling in love and want to send a romantic message or write a romantic poem to their loved one that's all very well but what happens if kids and students, primary and secondary school students, start using chat GPT to do their homework and to write their essays and their thesis? What happens then? I, I mean, I know that um, in college they have a system, I think it's called Turnin uh, or Turnitin, and basically that checks all of the essays that you submit cross-references it right across the internet for any other passages that are of the same thing. So I presume if college students try to use it, then they'll be caught out, even though, to be honest, the the standard of the essays in it are maybe kind of, you're talking first year, second year, secondary school kind of standard. Oh, it's up to college, perfectly, it wouldn't work. Perfectly okay. acceptable essays, but just very kind of basic, not not, you okay. know, not too much okay. uh, kind of in-depth analysis. Um, I, I mean, I Elon suppose... Elon Musk owns this, right? Yeah. I, he, he recently said... Goodbye, homework. Well, you see, the thing is, like, I, I, it's, it's, it doesn't, is it not up then to the to the teachers to try and provide something that's a little bit more I, challenging I, well, than just got, tell got, me about Charles Dickens or tell me I about. I got a chat GBT email last week from a chap called Trumpfan. Trump, Stephen Trump. Stephen yeah. sent me one. Yeah, it was written right. by Chat GBT. He told yeah. me it was. It was, it, was, a, it was a perfect email. It was a perfect email. I mean, uh, for, for things like that, then it does it absolutely superbly. But I do think that when you're a teacher, you're pretty clued into when it comes to, you know, that is trying to pull the wool over your eyes. So I feel like they will be a little bit better in terms of trying to uh, trying to catch it. But like I've done a couple of examples there of uh, potential uh, complaints to the Neil Prendival uh, show man, using ChatGPT. Because people will start, people will start <laughs> banging me now with emails from ChatGPT. But I think you'll, I think once, I think once, once people start realizing this thing is a thing and they kind of clue into it a little bit more, we'll start to spot the signs because it is very much like it's kind of pulling things from the internet but just kind of reorganising it in a way that makes it seem a little bit more good for research but not for cheating well uh, cheating is bad full stop I think did you ever cog in school no of course you ah, yeah, of course I did yeah. I, I, I often I mean my, the biggest thing I used to do in school was I used to have this teacher who used to always forget whether he left his our homework he just he'd correct his homework at home so anytime I didn't have my homework it would be oh sir it's, it's, you must have left it in your car and he'd go oh yeah I must have I must oh, search yeah, that the next day totally forget like about gaslighting it gaslighting the yeah. teacher <laughs> yeah. be before he even knew what it was yeah. I know we had a brilliant one where we'd either talk about Russia or talk about the GAA and he'd go off in a rant <laughs> You know how to pull the right strings. <laughs> All right, text like, Go on. <laughs> there's an app here uh, developed by Princeton University that will actually sniff out uh, AI essays. Yeah, but that means the teacher has to use that to sniff it out, or it has yeah. to have some yeah. sort. Of, yeah, yeah, exactly. But, but if you hand up printed documents, printed document pretending to be your work on A4. But I wonder how, how many. Like, scan it, no? But there's no very few primary schools and secondary schools work purely on printage like when I was in secondary school it was all handwritten all your exams are yeah, handwritten yeah but you could then rewrite and cog it I suppose you could but like the amount of effort it goes to do that then just 
write it as you go along. Anyway, lads, it's food for thought. I can come back to it later if possible. Uh, Chat GPT, it'll do all the work for you. Can I just stop actually because I don't want to hold him up much longer. One of the stories that I referenced there earlier on this morning is a guard investigation into an assault and criminal damage um, up in the north side last evening. Um, One man is in hospital following the injuries. I don't know if there's much to add to this, but Paul Burns, Southern Correspondent with Virgin Media News, is on top of the story. Paul, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Thanks for holding. Um, it's, it's, it's quite vague. Do you, can you be any more information as to what went on? I, I saw videos of it and it looked quite serious. Yeah, we're talking about 20 past five yesterday evening. Uh, lots of people on their way home. Uh, the incident happened up around Kalala Gardens in Ahnehili. And the, uh, this man was uh, viciously attacked by a group of men who arrived carrying uh, iron bars, hurleys, and a hammer was also used in the attack. Now, Gardy, uh, Gardy sources tell me that they're taking this incident extremely, treating it extremely seriously. Uh, this was a vicious attack on this man, uh, as I said, carried out about 20 past five yesterday evening. They, uh, seriously, he, he sustained serious injuries. It described as non-life-threatening. However, they are extremely serious. Uh, he's still in Cork University Hospital, and he could be there for a number of days. Now, Gardy, of course, will want to question him in relation to the attack. My understanding is that they're following a definite line of inquiry. They are fully aware of the circumstances, the background, and uh, why it happened. Can you share but any of that? No? I can't, Neil, for legal reasons. Right. Um, okay. I, I just, okay. I'm not in the position to do so. But um, these guys fled on foot, uh, leaving this man on the ground. Now, <clears throat> people were passing by and I know this caused extra distress to the family that this man was lying on the ground covered in with a blanket from the paramedics and um, that people were actually videoing what was going on while we're driving by people in the passenger seat were taking videos and you know this was really really causing major distress to the family as it's well very as disturbing because some of them were laughing actually as they were filming it it was wrong it was very wrong exactly yeah. look I mean that's the the, the, the the scourge I suppose of the mobile phone in this yeah. day and age yeah. this is the, the era we're living in but um you know, these people were out to do serious damage. The Gardaí have uh, identified a number of suspects already. And uh, I think really it will be only a matter of time before they start knocking on doors and uh, hauling a few people in to, for questioning. OK. Are they looking for witnesses? Um, obviously, they would be looking for witnesses. Gardaí and Gronagor will be investigating the incident. But uh, as I said, they are following a definite line of inquiry. But a lot will this, a lot of, uh, will it also depend on whether the injured party will want to make a statement or not. And uh, that a lot of that will hinge on, on that part of the investigation. Is that the way always one must make a statement before the guardie can proceed? Yeah. Not always, but um, a lot of times that people, you know, they like to solve out their differences um, with fists and what have you like yeah. that, and they, yeah. they prefer not to bring the guards into it. But uh, who knows what will happen at this stage? And in this case, case iron bars, hurleys, and hammers. Okay. Yeah, I mean, this man was seriously injured, and the car was uh, severely damaged as well in the incident. There was also an incident in Bandon last night where uh, a host was uh, attacked and uh, damaged. Nobody injured, but um, damaged in the attack as well. Yeah, you know, it's very violent times, don't we? Yeah, unfortunately, and I mean, we're going back to the square one. There's no deterrence. You know, the guards will come along if there's a, a prosecution. It all depends on what happens inside Anglesey Street, whether the judge has the uh, legislation to put these guys away or not. Well, that remains to be seen. OK, Paul, thanks as always. Uh, fast off the mark as usual. Paul Burns, Southern Correspondent with Virgin Media News, knows all happenings here on Side. Text 0868104106. There are some happy stories in the papers this morning. For sure, they are. More on that next. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. 
Text and WhatsApp 086-8104-106. Cork's Red FM. Right, I want to rock ahead and just change things around a little bit because a lot of live stories going on right now. One of them from yesterday, the story of uh, Noreen O'Neill and her son, uh, Gary, who has spina bifida. One issue, of course, involves the carbon monoxide leak and the fact that they have no heating because of that. Now, they are City Council tenants, so City Council is the landlord. And also the issue regarding the soul-destroying situation, as she said herself, that they've been put in with regards to her son not having a wheelchair and being totally and utterly locked in the house since the second week in December and nobody in any way, shape or form wanting to help him. Uh, it's cruelty, it certainly is. Now, yesterday we spoke to Nicholas from Rathbeacon Fireplace who said he'd go up and check the house out for her. Uh, Councillor Ken Collins and Ken O'Flynn were in touch with the show yesterday. Ken Collins was on the air saying that they'd call to Noreen to see if they can assist with the council. Um, there was a chap called Dennis actually who called in very nicely saying he'd give 200 euro for petrol when she gets the car sorted. But in fairness, Noreen said, thank you for the offer. But she declined the, the money. In fact, Dennis is such a lovely man. He wanted to give his weekly pension money, his entire pension for a week. We've had more offers of wheelchairs. We've sent all of the pictures on uh, to Noreen and indeed to her daughter to look at them. But sadly, so far, none of the wheelchairs are suitable because even the ones for teenagers are still too big. Because Gary's a, a small little lad, in fairness, as you can imagine. He may well be 38 years old, but he lives with spina bifida uh, and he's at his wit's end. Um, and then on top of all of that, we are trying to work out something with regards to the car and the gearbox and things like that. And I may have an update, a mechanics update later on there. Um, I, I don't know whether it would be good for if she does get something sorted, actually go back into a, a manual car with gears. Would it be better if she had... If she had um, if she had an automatic car. But just to update on a, at least one of those aspects, Nicholas from Rath Beacon Fireplaces. In fairness, Nicholas, good morning. Good morning, Neil. In How fairness, I, I believe the lads of them, you actually went up yesterday. Well, no, I, I didn't. Or got I, in I, touch I, anyway, I, at least. I, I, I did. I got in touch with Ken uh, to get permission. Yeah. Uh, I spoke with Noreen. Sorry, it was, the mechanic, it was the mechanics went up yesterday to the car. Okay. So tell me about your part of the story. You needed permission from the council, etc., etc. Correct. To so even I look Ken. at the... Yeah. I rang Ken and asked him to uh, get permission for me and my team to go up and examine the house. And he said he would. He'd get on to them. He rang me back, in fairness, yesterday evening. To say that they have their own contractor who's going to be going to Noreen today, thank God, um, to fix the problem. So, that happened quite quickly in the end, didn't it? It certainly did. It's the power of the radio, Neil. Isn't it a shame that it has to take that to get it done quickly? Yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah. It is. So there was, a, there was a contractor ready to do the own, work. There was an in-house contractor that looks after all of the chimney issues for them. Um, now, when so they say they're going to call, are they going to do the work or inspect the work? Well, he said they're going to call today. So whether they're going to do anything or not, I don't know. Um, but I presume that they, they will. Uh, is it a big job? Um, it's, it is. But I, I personally think that it's, it's the chimney that's damaged. So it's a lining scenario okay. where you have to re, redo the whole chimney. Yeah. So it could be a, it could be a day, it could be three days. It depends on what material they use and what what channel they want to go. Okay, okay. But once that work is done, it will then be safe, 
It's going to be an issue. Very There's big. going to be no issue Absolutely. with carbon monoxide, yeah. nothing no. like that. No, the lads that'll do it, they'll test the house before they'll go, they'll start it, they'll talk to Noreen and tell her, tell her what to use and how to often clean the chimney and the aftercare service of it all. I gotcha. Okay. It's an awful shame, actually, that that wouldn't have been done weeks ago rather than living in the cold, but yeah, at least living now. Yeah, in the cold and in the worst of the weather yeah. and temperatures. At least now. At least now it's going to be sorted yeah, once and for all. It's fantastic. Okay. So well, you've been, you were very talking. kind to offer yesterday morning, in fairness to you. No, I'm always there. I'm always there. If you're stuck, you can contact me freely. And when, when, when you say Rathbeacon Fireplaces, um, is, do you, is it servicing of fires or do you build them or what's the story? Uh, we, 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 we build them, install them and retail them. We have a shop up in Holly Hill next to Apple. Uh, we're in business 26 years. Uh, there's nothing we don't know about chimneys and fires and stoves. Are you, are you finding that you're putting in fireplaces now or you're putting in flues and... Predominantly, uh, predominantly stoves. stoves and lining. Lining is a big part of our business now because of carbon dioxide poisoning and dangers and fuels. People are using different fuels. It's all changing now, the whole... Uh, fireplace industry. It would be, wouldn't it, because of issues regarding coal and oh, they don't build houses yeah, anymore with fireplaces. No, no, do you have all high efficiency houses now or have air to water? But they're still using electric fires because the Irish people still like to see the ambiance. They still like to see a bit of a flame, whether it's throwing out heat or just for aesthetics. It's still nice. We've all been brought up around an open fire. Most of us. But those ones, so, but how do they work? I mean, they 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 look well, but is it convector air, warm air they push out? Is it? It is. They're just they're just like uh, a large electric fire. But most of the people that put them in don't really need them because their houses are thermostatically controlled by by the air to water heating system. They just so do it just for effect. It's just yeah, for the ambience, just to sit down and and watch it and listen to it because it gives out a sound as well of a crackling timber in the background so. I love it so, but if you wanted yeah. to put in a stove that then would need a, a, a flue you'd be drilling one of the big holes in the wall out through the wall wouldn't you a- absolutely absolutely and uh, what, what would you burn in them then uh, predominantly timber now you know timber seems to be it's a cleaner safer it throws out more heat than cold believe it or not dried timber but it doesn't last as long yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. There's Burning a timber. Picture from it. Yeah, yeah lovely yeah. picture from it, and, and great heat. And is anybody? Is there, are there many back boilers left now from the old days? Um, no, they're still there, but like like Noreen's one out that could need it, a lot of attention, you know, because if that's been sitting in the wall for the last thirty odd years, and there's not a chimney uh, coal on top of the chimney, uh, like it could have corrosion in the back of it. But at the same no, time, they were a fabulous invention, weren't they? Oh, you they light were. the fire, the fire heats the water, and the water drives the rads. Brilliant. It was. It was amazing, but not great for the environment anymore because of the cost of fuel, for one. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. And, yeah. and they're not as efficient as a lot of the gas boilers now because gas took over a lot of it as well, so it stopped people using the boiler, which... We all grew up around because it was the main heating source. That's right. That's right. Well, listen. I had to take turns on using the the bath and and, and the immersion. <laughs>
That's Saga. <laughs> happy days. Happy days. Happy Listen, days. You're, you're very good, Nicholas. Thanks so much for taking the call yesterday you're, morning. You're, you're very welcome. And the kind offer morning, of help. help. Okay, appreciate it. Thanks, Neil. Lads, if Bye. you're in the market for a fireplace or a stove or anything associated with that, please remember Rathbeacon Fireplaces because they were very kind yesterday and Nicholas wanted to help. But, of course, within a few hours, all of a sudden, the contractor who actually does the work on behalf of the council will do the work and hopefully that will happen and begin today with regards to Noreen. The council is absolutely useless. They handle the hand... I wondered about this. The handle of my toilet broke and I couldn't flush the toilet. For eight months and two weeks, I was bringing water from my kitchen into the toilet, waiting for the council to come back to me. I told them I was going... Oh, that's okay. They to- I told them I was going to get my own plumber, had it sorted and all. And they told me that if I did that, they would never fix anything ever again. I'd leak in my kitchen for four years and they still haven't come to do anything about it. Thankfully, you, you did say that you would get it done yourself because it sounded like a straightforward job. But then, of course, um, you, you went and told the council you were going to get it done and they said, if you do, we'll never do any work again. I suppose some would say you could have just got it done, not said anything to them. Cork County maintenance is just as bad in the county. We're paying €115 Euro a week because our son is living with us and is working. I'm an invalid. My husband is my carer. We've had roof tiles broken by storms, sink taps broken, shoddy workmanship all over the house on day one. Loads of problems. If you ring them with a problem, they refer you to your handbook. Like the handbook will fix it, will it? Um, what are the bosses paid for? They should be sacked. The council should be brought to court and so should the HSE for pure neglect in Noreen O'Neill's case. Uh, knowing Noreen has a death sentence, shouldn't the HSE start looking into her son's care now to have everything in place for him after she's gone and not be using the excuse that they didn't know about the circumstances? I was very upset listening to this awful case, especially with all of the radio ads for carbon monoxide killing people. Shameful bosses in this country. She's paying €111 a week, which seems very high to me for a pensioner or widow. And thank you for that, Margaret. Yes, I don't want to dwell on the fact that Margaret, Margaret, I don't want to dwell on the fact that Noreen did say yesterday that she was told because of her condition, she has less than two years to live. I'm listening to your program this morning just on the guy with the wheelchair concerns with his problem does he not have to have special arrangements and not an ordinary wheelchair you're right I accept that and giving him an ordinary wheelchair the text was saying could more problem cause more problems where are the HSE uh, why don't they put themselves out and they don't put themselves out as it's too much hassle for them also this guy not having an OT worker with him that is an absolute disgrace. Well, he has an OT worker, uh, occupational therapist, but not available now because the occupational therapist is out of the country. So that's an update on that. Hopefully we'll have more developments throughout the course of the morning. But back to the phone lines ago. Patrick, good morning. Okay, perhaps after the break. Hold on there. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 Red FM. And a reminder, guys, has anybody ever claimed off a council for a burst rim or a burst tire in a pothole? Text 0868 And how did you get on? Okay, back to my phone lines. Patrick, good morning. Hello. Listen, Patrick, um, yes, I'm, I'm very concerned about where you're living. Uh, I don't actually... I don't want to know the name of the abattoir that you're living yeah. in for legal reasons, but tell me, tell me your your backstory. You're you're living in an abattoir um, yes. that you used to work in all your life, is it? Yeah. Okay. Okay. And do you mind me? Do you mind me asking about your early life? 
Okay. So you left at what age? Uh, about 14, 15, I suppose. Were you, were you in, in one of the state institutions as a young fella? I was, yes. Where? Uh, I'm uh, in Lota. In Lota. So yeah. wh- what age were you when you left Lota? I left it when I was very young. Like what, 12, 13, 14, 15? Yeah, yeah, about that, yes. And did you go straight to work? Yeah. In in a slaughterhouse, was it? Yeah. Um, and did you work there by day? I did, yes. Right. And where then did you where did you live then when work was finished? I live I live I lived on the job. Okay. All right. Uh, I, I lived on the night watchman as well, like, you know. So you were the night watchman. So you worked by day, and then you were the watchman by night. Yeah. Okay. And you you had all of your stuff there, your possessions and everything there as well with you. Yeah. And did you have a bed and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah there is. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So for how many years was that? Oh, nearly 30, 40 years this was. That's a good 30 years anyway. And did you never have a proper home? Um, I had one when I was a young Yeah. I know, but when you grew up and everything and went out to work, did you never have your own flat no. or a bedsit or house or anything? No, no, it's the only place I know. Okay. And and what did you do then for cooking and cleaning and washing and things for all those years? Yeah, well, there were many cooking and things like that. The electric isn't too bad, like, you know. Right. But some years ago, the abattoir closed down. Yeah. Okay. So, do you, but did you stay on after it closed down living there? I, I did, yeah. I'm still here at the moment. Uh, you are? Really? Yeah. yeah. But is it like, is it not very cold or damp or lonely or dangerous to be living there? Well, it is, yeah. Uh, but, uh, so, so long as the doors are closed and the place we're locked up, like, you know. But is it, it's, is it not very lonely all those years living there? Well, uh, you get used to it. Do you know, have you any company there? Yeah, yeah. There are two dogs. The two dogs? Yeah. Is it cold? It's pretty cold, all right, yeah. So that's been your home all your life? Yeah. But that, but but not by choice though. I mean, you you didn't you didn't choose. You don't want to have spent thirty odd years there, surely. Oh no, no. And is is yeah. is, it, is it leaking down on top? You know. Well, the well, the other second roof on top of it, like you know. Does anybody but, call to see you or to check on you or keep an eye on you? There's a, a chap there called Just All Right No. Uh, he calls up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, do you need, do you, I mean, do you need anything? No, no, no. But you're getting on a bit now, aren't you, Patrick? Uh, I am, yes. What would you be, 60s maybe? 
62. Right. But how was Christmas for you in the abattoir? I don't know. You'll take that. You'll take it every day as it comes, like. Yeah, but what did you do Christmas Day, for instance? No, just sit down watch telly and uh, put on me one piece of bacon dinner and stuff like that. Run your own bacon dinner? Yeah. Right. And no, no presents or people calling or... Santa Claus, no. or like brothers and oh, sisters, no. mam and dad are probably gone, are they? Oh, there yeah. You'll take every day like, Yeah, you know, okay, okay. Do you, do you venture out, like, do you have friends, do you, do you socialise? Yeah, I, I socialise now and again, all right, yeah. And were you, ever on, were you ever on to City Hall looking for your own place or on a housing list or anything like that? Hey, oh. I was there, yeah, but I got no response from him, like... In all those years? No. They kind of misplaced me for you, as I said. They misplaced your file? Yeah. Totally forgotten? Yeah. <laughs> Do you get sick there, though? Is your, like, I mean, you must be suffering physically with your health. Well, it's getting on a bit now, all right. What do you do for heat? Yeah, I have an electric heater. And you draw the pension then, yeah? No, not yet. You're not pension age yet. So how do you get by? I'm on the... So when the abattoir, clo- abattoir closed some years ago, that was your last job? Yeah. Did you like working there when it was open and everything? Oh, yes, I did, yeah. And do they know you're living there? Oh, they, they do, yeah. Did they check in on you? No. Okay. And the boss came in and rolled All right, we won't say any more than that because uh, yeah, obviously yeah, I have yeah, to yeah. be very oh, careful. Okay, yeah. Do you mind holding on there a second? Um, Zeddie O'Connell, friend yeah. of the programme, got on to me actually. We spoke to him in the past on a few different matters. Eddie? Yes, good morning, Ken. Am I, am I missing something here? What's that? Am I missing something? This is insane. I, I, are you missing something? I mean, it's, it sounds hard to believe. Well, I've seen him with my own two eyes. And Paddy O'Brien, we know yesterday, a very nice man, Paddy. He's doing his best for Johnny. Is. Yeah. And he got, he, he got in his car yesterday and he went out and he had a look to see where John is living and he didn't stay very long he was highly disgusted did you have you seen have you seen the condition I've seen it yes I've seen it I believe you me that rope is leaking but this is a this is a a closed up business that stopped doing what it was doing some years back and it's just sitting there a long long time ago yes so what is it like the conditions in there Horrible. I wouldn't put an animal in there. Mm. Mm. I wouldn't. And when did you become aware that he was living there? Well, I've known John for years, I have. I've known John 30 odd years. When I first met John, he uh, he told me the situation and he didn't even, he didn't have a doctor to go to. He didn't have a medical card. He, he didn't have a passport. And I turned around and I got all those three things organised for him. And like he said to you there, 
we put his name down for a place, but the council, from what he said, they uh, they misled his file. Do you know so, how long words, ago? So how I, long ago? It, say, for instance, he first went on to a council housing list. It's been a good few years, and all he's been told is all like he's more or less back in the back at the bottom of the list again, like which is no fault of his. And would they know at City Council, for instance, Eddie, that he's living in a closed-up abattoir slaughterhouse? I don't know whether they ever went out and had a look at the actual... No, but I mean, like, he, they were told that. I mean, that would have been oh, written I, down I, in documents. Enough. You have to give him an address, yeah. He said that they said that they couldn't find his file. That's right. Yeah. Do you organise shopping for him then, or is it another pal? No, does no, John does all that himself. Yeah, yeah. What did Paddy O'Brien make of it when he visited? Paddy was disgusted when he went out there yesterday, and he's trying to. I think himself he's he's trying to make an appointment himself and John to go into the city hall to see what he can do. Have any local councillors ever come to visit you there, where you are? No, no, no. No. Are they aware that you're where you are where you are? That's no, I don't know. I haven't just told it. Right. There, it's like a, is there vermin there? Yeah, I do. Well, you get used to them. They'll, they'll come in and say hello to you. Rats? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they don't bother you anymore? No, no, I don't know. What kind of a society have we come to, Eddie? The people are living right. conditions well, like this. There you go now. There you are. You wouldn't believe it unless you saw it for yourself. He's got health needs. It sounds to me as if he's got health needs. His chest sounds very bad. He is. Well, at the winter, any damp weather, whatever, I mean, he suffers for it. He's starting to tell on him now. Okay. Patrick, John, would you mind if we called up there to visit you? No, no, I wouldn't. If Seamus went up there maybe lunchtime or what have you and just had a look and had a chat with you there and see the living, would you be okay with that? I, will, yeah, yeah, I, I mean, it's not that we're prying. It's just that we oh, want to. No, we want that. to maybe I be able to. Yeah. We want to be able to help. Where would you? Where would you like to be? Uh, someplace in Blackpool, I suppose. Do you know that area? You do. Uh, I do, yeah. Okay, and would you like a little place of your own? Like, there's lovely places. John, Eddie, isn't there lovely places there in Madden's buildings? Isn't there? Or Sutton's buildings? Uh, uh, well, John leads a very quiet life, and Madden's buildings would be ideal for him. And there are plenty of empty houses at the moment in Madden's buildings. Okay, okay, all right. Let let let's um let's see where we're at here with regards to uh, where council are. Uh, they 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 keep on pushing back GDPR issues to me about talking in talking about people's particular cases. You know um, that they can't discuss them, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I can I I get that, like, but um, yeah. I'd be curious to find us to uh, find out where they're at. Uh, with regards to why he has well, been ignored. Well, if he could get down Madden's buildings, it would be ideal for him. Ah, yeah. You know, I mean, it's shocking. I mean, it's unbelievable, the stories over the past it couple of days. It is unbelievable, believe you me. You, yeah. you need to see it for yourself. Okay, so that was, we, that's what we'll do at lunchtime today. All right. We'll speak to John, and John will give you directions. All right, Patrick, John, hold, hold on there. We get di- directions. Eddie, do stay in touch, all right? And we'll see if we can um, 
if we can push this one on because it's horrific yeah. the conditions that you know that man is living in absolutely and thank you very much Neil, for everything all thank right you. Pal, take care for now okay text story six eight one zero four one zero six. pick up the phone on 0818104106 it's it's just so sad so many people are just forgotten about fall through cracks and files get lost Back after 10. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features, and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from 4. Dave Max Drive. Get it off your chest. Text The Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Catch up on text in a few minutes' time, but uh, with regards to uh, Patrick John's situation and where he is living and the conditions he's, which he's living in, it's absolutely scandalous. It really and truly is. And yes, I see more people wondering why is it always uh, the uh, people who need the most help, particularly um, those that are alone or vulnerable uh, that don't get it. But yeah, and we're falling ourselves backwards then, scrambling for housing and accommodation, modular homes and looking for places to put many people who are also in their own way in need and everything gets done so much faster. I, I can't argue with that. I really can't because I see time after time after time People who are suffering. Maura, good morning. Uh, Maura, can you hear me? Okay, not happening. You need to turn your radio down and we'll come back to you in a few minutes' time. Uh, meanwhile, get your facts right. The assault you referred to last night was uh, Churchfield, not Nahini, says Joe. Sorry about that. Um, as my understanding of it and the reports that I'm getting from Angarda Shikona and the media reports is that it was uh, in the Kilala Gardens area of uh, Nahini, if you're telling me that it wasn't, well, I'd have to go back and check, but I, I believe that, you know, that we've been accurate up until now. Uh, I say no more council. Uh, I won't, can't come on air, but where I live, um, I pass their base at 8.45 and not one truck leaves the base. Um, they are gone about 9am, then outside again, back parked up at 20 past 3 Monday to Thursday. Three vans park up there um, and that's it. Uh, on Friday, they arrive at the same time and they're gone at five to four. This is in just one council base. So there's a total of three hours daily per person that I can see. I hope that text makes sense. I suppose what it's trying to say is that, uh, you know, um, there doesn't seem to be as much work being done as perhaps should be done on a daily basis with regards to uh, helping tenants with things like issues like uh, Noreen is going through with carbon monoxide. Um, Oh my God, I'm heartbroken listening to that poor man on the radio with Neil at the moment. Why aren't our own Irish citizens being looked after? It's a disgrace. I get many texts like that. Heartbreaking to hear where that man is living. Does he need anything like a jacket or clothing or anything like that? Uh, Will someone, for God's sake, help that man? He's living in what sounds like a hovel. Uh, I would help, but unfortunately, I'm listening to your program overseas. Uh, let me see how the phone lines are now. Turn your radios down, guys, because it causes feedback. Otherwise, you won't be able to hear me. Maureen, good morning. Good morning. Okay. Uh, hard to believe, isn't it? But yeah, but then again, uh, nothing should shock terrible. us. What? I can't believe it. It's unbelievable. You know, every morning now I'm listening to you. are coming on with more... Sadder stories, sadder by the day. Well, maybe I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't be dwelling on all of the sadness, but it's there nonetheless. Uh, I got help to step poor man, and I'd say he has an awful chest infection. Sounds like it, doesn't it? Oh, you would know by the way he was talking. He's breathing, isn't he? Great. He hard to believe. To be looked after the creator. Yeah, hard to believe. Hard to believe. Ah, for the love of God, the poor man, and he's he he he's so good about it himself. Well, I suppose if he's been living in circumstances like that for thirty or forty years, and the last yeah, five or six, no anymore. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that when 
when the abattoir was open and working, it was a little better. Not much, I'd oh, imagine. Course, but yeah, now... Yeah, yeah. I helped with the creatives. Oh, I said. And that other little woman with the, with the son, the disabled... Noreen. Son, she, yeah. Oh, yeah. it's terrible. Yeah. And you had another woman on there a few weeks ago. Did she actually die? That she did die, the poor misfortune in Blackpool. Oh, God she died. Almighty, I couldn't believe it. She died. After all of that, at the end oh, of the that, day... You were great to get all the help for her. You know, there's great people up around there for help. They were very that. good. And when things were starting to turn around, sadly, her health declined and she passed away. You know, I understood the crater. No one looked after her all the years. It's terrible that's what's been done to people. Look after yourself, Murray. Thank you for taking the call. Uh, Don, good morning. Very nearly, yeah. I'm good. Have you actually seen where Patrick John is? I have. Yeah, I have. Have you? No, oh, can you describe yeah. what you've seen? I haven't, I haven't been there no for a while, but the last time I was out there, it's just a shed. There's a couple of sheds knocked up together. Um, you can't get his roof. He has... Um, there was carpet on it the last time on the roof so that when it's rain at night it wouldn't be more you know oh the the rain belting off the corrugated iron he was trying to deaden yeah. it with a, with a carpet yeah no that's the last time I was out there but I haven't been there for a while but uh, uh, I, I can just imagine the conditions of worse than no rather than anyway. there's no way that they could, it was just, it's such a shade initially when he moved in there it was, they were keeping sheep and cattle there um, there was straw put on the end of it I think he put a few um Alex on it then, and then covered up with carpet, and then he kind of ended up with a, a kettle and a microwave and a fridge, and yeah, and he's a lovely fella. He's a lovely. The only reason I'm ringing on Neil is um, he's a lovely guy. He's a he's a, he's like, and he's innocent as the day is long. You know, there's no badness in him. There was no. He's kind also. I remember he was going to Blackpool and a few points, and the wee fellas taking advantage of him, and he had his money. Uh, it's it's just so sad. Well, tapping him like no... is it? Alan tapping him for money is it? Yeah, I bought you a point there, John, and he, John would have a, he might be flushed, might be after getting paid, and he's he's he was just very generous. He's a very decent man, and then people would be taking it. I wish people wouldn't back. do that. It's so cruel well, and manipulative. They were probably waiting for him to come down, even actually. So I know. Had, Here but, he is, um, a soft I touch. Yeah, he's he, he kind of people were advising him to stay up. Back. No, I spoke in the mirror before Christmas. Um, you probably know who I am. He, if he, um, but I, I just ask you, Neil, if you yourself take a go out there and have a look at what he's living in. Honest to God, no, I'll get someone to go and take a few pictures. There is nobody in this city or country would believe that that man is living in those conditions. Like, I, it, it, it's just. You could not believe. You wouldn't believe it. Quiet that, little soul, no issues in his life whatsoever. He had a bad start as a young lad, the former's fortune, and it's hard to recall yeah, his, 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 his mother, the, the parents, or the mother died, I think, when he was very young, the whole family was, was scattered. And, like, initially, when he did go in there, he was lucky to have that place to go into and make a home for himself, or he'd be going on the streets. I reckon, I don't know. Why should it surprise us, though? People are living on the streets. They're living in tents. They're living in doorways and alleyways. They're down in the Simon, um, you know. What should I say? I, mean, I just said there's another... I saw a few tents in the lockdown at the weekend. You know what I'm saying? It's just yeah. all so commonplace now. But uh, unfortunately, some of those... And this isn't to make their situation any less important, but they would have addiction issues, the misfortunes. But in, well, John, in the case of poor old Patrick that, John, it's just life has John done this. Not, yeah, he, he's, he, he's never like that. He, man, 
as I say, when he went into that slot, he walked. He went to walk to earn a few bob. He had the kind of work ethic. He wasn't the waster. Um, he walked very hard, I can tell you, in that environment, like very, very hard. And he was there at Beck and Coyle. And he, and he was a security man at night. Yeah, thing, he know? said that, yeah, he was doubling up. And it was, it, was, yeah. it was tolerable for him. But now, though, now... I mean, he's had years well, of he's, squalor he's, and he's, he's pushing on all right. He's not a young fella anymore. Um, and, like, as I say to you, if you are, I'm not on Facebook, but if you want to go there and have a look no, at No, we're, gonna, we're certainly going to do that this lunch, without without a doubt. I mean, it, like, if, if Seamus wants to leg it now or somebody well, wants to go now, yourself, they can, they that's can, all I can say. Prepare yourself for the shock. Yeah, yeah. And I hope to get up there myself for a look. And Kieran that's McCarthy, that. the councillor Kieran McCarthy has been in touch already. He's saying that he'll be able to access his file, um, and he'll be able to find out if he's on the list, where he is on the list, how long he's been on the list, and why he's got yeah. nothing except... The only thing he said to me that he heard was that they didn't have a file and he thought that they had lost it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that part no, I know. of it. As okay. I say, I haven't spoken to him for a while, but uh, again, as I say, um, if you... There'd be, there'd be a no crave when people see this, like. There'd right. be a no crave, okay. honest to God. It's, All right. It's, uh, Terrific. Okay, Don. Thanks, my man. Thanks for that. No, Cheers. Uh, Edel standing by first. Up. Robbie, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Okay, How you know you? the gentleman, do you? I know John years, yeah. I, I'm quite shocked that he's still living out there, to be honest with you, Neil. I thought that he had uh, had been um, relocated. But there, the there you go, you John. see. People, when, when, when people, are, when their tabs aren't being kept on people, that's why people are found dead in their bed. But you see, John is a very private person, uh, Neil. And the one thing I'd say about John, John has the most open heart. He's so kind-hearted. There's not a bad bone in the man's body. When, when, when Blackpool was thriving with pubs back in the day, John would arrive down. Easter and Christmas would be his times that I'd remember him. Right. And he'd come down and he'd go into the pub and he might arrive in with 10 Easter eggs and he'd hand out the Easter eggs to all and sundry in the pubs for their children. Ah, uh, And stop, that's, will you? that's pure truth. So anything that could be done to help John should be done. Because he's a kind, gentle soul. You and see, it's, it's the, it's the, it's the quiet, gentle ones that get forgotten about, you know? It's the... And, and there you go. And you, you, you heard it there this morning yourself, Neil, Neil. The kind of happy-go-lucky attitude he had for Vermin coming into, into his place. No, there's no one else would, would, would see it that way. But that, that's the kind that John is. I suppose you John get used to that, don't you? If you have that year in, year out, it just becomes I have no idea. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to get used to that, neither would, would, no, would you, Neil. But that's no. just... All I'm saying is John has a beautiful heart, he's a beautiful man, and he needs all the help that we can give him because he's one of our own. And did he stop going out then, or did he stop going to the, the pub or doing the uh, Easter egg well, things? The, you know, the way the pubs went, Neil, the, 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 the smoking ban, and of course... The bowlers went and then the fiddlers went and Blackpool really kind of went with it, you know, know. In, a, in a way. Like. Yeah, I know. The heart and soul was torn but out. I, I'm not on about that. I'm just right. here okay. to, to, right. to tell you about John, what I know about him. And I know everyone in Blackpool that would know John would probably say the same thing about him. He's the most kindest, gentlest man with a beautiful heart. And he needs all the help and support that he can get. But you were walking the and dogs regularly and you just, thought he had gone. Is this? You thought he'd gone. I'd be walking the other side of the valley, uh, yeah, Neil. Yeah. And, um, yeah, you'll have to see it for yourself, to be honest with you. Um, to be honest with you, all that I ever see going on over there is illegal burning. Oh, my God. 
to and be living with John them. John isn't doing that, I can no. tell you that now. Yeah, misfortunate man. All right, fair play to you, Robbie. That's okay. a lovely story about the Easter eggs. Thanks for that. Adele, good morning. Oh, good morning, Neil. Um, I Nothing should surprise to... us now, you know, really, the stories that you hear. Nothing should. I, I mean, that being, it's, it's just shocking every day you're, you're coming up. And you do have to, don't feel bad, you do have to put forward these stories. Because if you don't, who's going to no, do it? No, but I always get a bit of a panic attack when people talk about, you know, depressing stories or sad stories. Because I just wonder how, my, how much of that people listening to a radio show can tolerate, you know? Well, you know, you're doing a fantastic job and you have to do it. You have to continue to do it because who, who else is going to help poor men like that? He sounded like a beautiful, kind gentleman. I don't know him. So he needs help. Where are politicians? Where's our government? Where's our councillors? Like, where are they? What are they doing? You know, and we are bringing so many people into the country that we can't cope. We're on our knees. And here we have a, a kind, gentle Irish man in the conditions he's living in. So I people are people disgusting. are right when they say, don't be blaming refugees or asylum seekers. Um, I'm not too sure about international protection orders, to be honest with you. Don't be uh, blaming them for everything. It's It's the state. It's the state services have caused division, derision, um, um, you know, anger and unhappiness. Absolutely. It They've is done absolutely this. absolutely the state's fault. I mean, if you, if Roger Gorman sends a thing out to the world, come to Ireland, so of course you'll come. So it's not their fault for coming. It's the state's fault for putting out this open border invitation and now we can't cope. You know, there's men living like that. There's people can't get to GPs. There's people can't get into hospitals. At some stage, we have to say, at least stop for now until we catch up and let's look after these poor people. He's probably only one of many people living in those conditions. And if people don't bring it to your show and you highlight it, they're going to be lost forever living out their lives. He's not an old man. He's not even on pension. So he should be living a a good life in a nice house, warm, comfortable. They'd go to a GP. I mean, we're Irish. We look after our citizens. Isn't it and very, if there's a fund set off, I will send some money to it. Well, yeah, okay. So, I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't anticipate that people would want to fundraise or do anything like that on, on his behalf. But I'm not going to stop people if they wish to do that. What he wants is a roof over his head. What he wants is to be not forgotten by city council for all of these years. You know, that's what he wants. I know, I know. He wants I, to be I, treated I, as a citizen of Ireland with respect and dignity. And his human rights protected. That's what he wants. As is just that's that's what he deserves and needs as a citizen of Ireland, and not just him, his people before him, and all the taxes and the way they built up our country. You know, and they're just falling through the cracks. Have we got it's our priorities terrible. wrong? A lot of people seem to believe we have our priori- priorities wrong. Oh, I think we do have our priorities wrong. I mean. You know, if you had a brother that needed help or a stranger that needed help, no family in the whole world. Yeah, see, um, see the start he had in life, it can really impact on your entire lifetime, can't it? You know, uh, parents dying young, being put into Lotub and put into industrial cares, um, coming out as a very young boy with no reading, no writing, no prospects. It's a very sad start and it impacts your entire life. It does. I didn't hear the, his his the early part of his story, story you, but yeah, yeah it's that obviously, as they say, it's that a good start is half the half the work, or whatever. Oh but God. we suppose again, a society that 
is looking out for its most vulnerable would say, you know, people like that, let's keep an eye out for them, let's let the services go in, you know, rather than his file being lost or, you know, I can't talk to you about it because of GDP or all of these rules and regulations that are just making it so difficult to help people when you do want to help them, yeah, you know? Yeah, yesterday it's a 39-year-old man with spina bifida, no wheelchair, and his family living exactly. with him and carbon monoxide poisoning, city council of the landlords, and it takes a call to a radio station to get somebody out to do the repair work. Um, you know, I just... And uh, then when some houses come up for social housing, perfectly good kitchens and bathrooms are all, all ripped, ripped out. out. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know? Uh, well, we need we need something to be ripped out. We need a root and branch ripping out of a lot of systems in this country. Uh, we oh, need a serious down. reboot. We really do. I don't know who's going to do it, but it'll only continue to get worse and worse, and more well, and more people like him will be missed. It will, unfortunately, it will. And I suppose they have to try and get back to better community. You know, people looking out for each other and calling into each other and that people like John Patrick don't get forgotten about because he's probably one one of many. So um, I hope that by you having his story on today will help him, but also help other people, you know, in similar situations to get the life that they deserve. Good stuff. Well said. And speak up and do get in touch if anybody has similar stories to that. You're very kind. Thanks, Adele. Take care. Yesterday was Noreen O'Neill from Mayfield living with her son, uh, with her daughter and uh, her grandchild, uh, and of course, Gary has spina bifida. I'm reading Owen English's copy in the examiner because he picked up on the conversation yesterday. He's been housebound for two months while awaiting a repair to his wheelchair. Of course, he lives in the wheelchair 24-7 apart from the times that he's sleeping. So it's no wonder that over time, of course, uh, they need repair or indeed replacement. Uh, these wheelchairs for people with spina bifida are custom made to fit the actual person using them because of curvatures and also issues with regards to spine. I understand that. And that's why yesterday the different wheelchairs that were being offered to me were all too big for the little man. He's 38 years old, but uh, a little on the small side. Well, very much on the small side. And of course, his mam then, who's widowed with 20 years, is struggling with uh, a life-limiting autoimmune disease illness. And she was told by those who were looking after her care that she has less than two years to live. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. Councillor Mick Finn is uh, Sinn Féin councillor on Cork City Council. Mick, good morning. And Mick Nugent, Neil. Sorry, Mick Nugent, my apologies. Right. Can, we, can right. we once and for all, now, today, someone sort this situation out? Look, we'll, we'll start the ball rolling, uh, Neil. I miss, I miss John. Um, do you know on your show there? He did, yeah, I do. Well, he called into me there in the office. Um, Tommy Gould's office in Shannon Street. He called in there last week. Um, it was actually something in the council as well. Um, I was on to myself and Kenneth about him a few weeks ago as well, just giving us a background on the situation, like, you know, and John called in as well, so I had a chat with John. And so the council explaining. housing, is it, would ring you... To ask you about him, is it? No, no, actually, well, no. This guy, no, this guy was one of the porters. Actually, that he knew John, so it wasn't housing. It was actually another uh, someone else in the council, but was um, concerned. But, yes, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, fair so, play to whoever that was, because not even his area or her area of of work. Exactly. Yeah, one of the guys there in in the council, and so John called in. I was chatting to John, and he was explaining his circumstances, like, and you know. He, 
his living conditions as he outlined like are fairly sparse to say the least you know so and he's a, he's a lovely guy he's a nice gentleman and we had a chat about where he'd walked well, and he'd it, walked there and, yeah, yeah. You know. would, it, would it be possible to find out the paper trail involving him uh, because he has told me that he has been on numerous times and did go through all of the proper channels to try and be looked and helped would it be possible? It could, yeah, it, it, it could be or should be. Um, I mean, we often would get contact from people who who thought they've longer on the list, or you know, looking for um, looking for uh, the background. And sometimes they, if they fell off the list, or they missed the letter, or they missed correspondence. Sometimes you can get time back for people, and not always, you know. But we can. He can't read. That. He can't read or write. Yeah, yeah. So you yeah, send us, sending yeah. him a letter is. To an abandoned that's, abattoir is pointing. No, yeah, no, I know he has a cor- He does have um, a correspondence address. I don't know. They mentioned that he has someone there. That okay, okay. Um, yeah. that he has someone. He has an address there. Um, probably not too far from where he's living. Actually, there's a guy there takes his letters. Fair um, play. Yeah. So hopefully, can that guy? You know, if there's any letters going out, can read them for him and take them for him. But did know? any of you councillors who represent that ward and wards attached to it, did you know that he was living in an abandoned rap- abattoir with his two dogs and vermin? I can't say I did know, um, Neil, until the, um, until the lad at City Hall told me. I didn't actually know. No, I didn't. Um, and, he, you know, I didn't know that. He's there quite a while as well, you know. So, yeah. You'd wonder, like Neil, and there's often, you know, sometimes people have things, you know, in their own lives or what's going on or so, and, you know... Um, but why, are we, but why are we building modular homes in Mallow? Why are we building modular homes in Mahan? Why do we take over all of these hotel rooms and guest houses and people's homes and holiday homes and everything? When we have men like him who had a very bad start in life, who has gone through the channels of the City Hall and says to me that they lost his file... What the hell? Yeah, I know, I know what you're saying, and I, I don't know how they lost this file. I just don't know how that happened. Um, you would hear, you would hear of that. And if look, if there's a fault on city council side, if they did lose this file, maybe they'd have to look at it. Because the issue now is trying to just find out where he is. Um, his application is open, but it's just to find out how, how much time he has and can we get any time back for him. But why should he you even know? have time at all? He's living in an abandoned abattoir. Like what? Why? Exactly. Like yeah, he's not cove. He's not couch surfing or living with his mum and dad. Like yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, it's very very sparse conditions. And he outlined that to me, like, and you know, you have to go out to him. So we just have to see what we can do, what we can do for the men, like you know, and just take it from there and engage with the council on on his behalf today. Yeah, certainly today and going forward, and we'll be keeping in touch with John, and he's going to. Keep in touch with us anyway, like you know. Okay. So yeah, you, 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 you see why you see why division is caused in society, and you have one group fighting with another group and racist I know, accusations. I know, Neil, I know it, it can it can frustrate people. I know that. I know. Look, in an ideal world, we should be able to look after everybody. You know, in an ideal, an ideal world, an ideal society, where we should look after everybody. Um, but. We need to look after John Noah at the moment. Okay, thank you for that, Mick. Because you know something? Thanks, if nothing was done and if this was never highlighted, he would just die there and no one would know. You know? And we've had that all too often. Lines are open. Text 0868104106. We had it all too often. And of course, the case in Mallow recently where a misfortunate man 
uh, was possibly up to 30 years inside there and he's dead in the bed. Kieran, good morning. Are you Neil? How are you? Your dad worked. I'm not. I'm not. I don't want details of the yeah. abattoir. No, I've mentioned where it is. As far as this program is concerned, nobody knows where yeah. it is, right? Because it's yeah. privately owned. Um, yeah. But your dad worked yeah. there. Yeah, my dad worked there. My dad would walk for John. I wouldn't know John since a young age. No, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't call him John. He wouldn't know him to me growing up as the bulldog. Why? That was his nickname from from the lads. Walking in the slaughterhouse and the, and the butchers, he wouldn't be known as the bulldog, you know. Okay. But I can remember being inside that slaughterhouse growing up because at a young age, like I used to go to walk with my father, and he was the most nicest man you'd ever come across, you know. And going back, I said three, four years ago, uh, my dad had met him, and he was telling my dad that that your man wanted the most of the slaughterhouse. Yeah, but he was still there. And yeah. He was still there, yeah. And like, I, like, I could, the last time my, my father spoke about it, he, he was in one part of the slaughterhouse, and I think the roof caved in, and, and then he, he moved. moved into a, and he moved, he moved into another part of the slaughterhouse into a fridge. So, like, you know, I'm 42 years of age. So like, I can remember John the Bulldog as for the, when I was say when I was around four or five. So I'm 42 now, like, and he's he's up there that that that, that long, you know. It's his whole life. It's has been. He worked there by day. Yeah. He was the caretaker, watchman by night. When it closed yeah. down, he stayed on. Um, yeah, man, yeah. And the conditions are just shocking. And he's a man yeah. who never really. I suppose he worked very hard, and maybe that's why he was known as the bulldog. I don't know. Yeah, um, but you know, like 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 I can remember being a kid up there, like in the early 80s, and like it was it was a slaughterhouse. That's what it was, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I could, you know, and I can imagine conditions to what got bad. Well, it's, it's like anything that's closed up or left, yeah. But, yeah. but and, and as well, and as well as that, closed a long time, like yeah. And that's hard work, isn't it? Oh, desperate hard work, you know. Like, like yeah. the, what what they were doing years ago. Like, they they probably like they, they wouldn't they won't they'd be closed down. What they were doing years ago, you know. Very you hard know, work like, and a lot of he, it, very manual work. Yeah. Yeah, but I. Like, John, I can remember John at a young age, and he was the most nicest fella. And there was a man online there on on the phone chair earlier there saying when he used to go down Blackpool for a point, people did take advantage of him because he was afraid to say no. But he was he was just such a lovely man. Isn't that a you know, shocking thing that people would know of his background and the fact that he was you know living in the conditions he was and they'd be tapping him for points? God, if they any conscience, that, like no, like that's but that's Blackpool for you, Neil. That's. That's people in Blackpool, that's where people are. In certain pubs in Blackpool, they take advantage of the vulnerable. Uh, yeah, but that, but that, yeah, but that, I mean, wouldn't be casting aspersions on the wider community of Blackpool. Yeah. You'll always get individuals yeah. anywhere, north or south side, yeah. who will see a soft touch and they're half cut mm. themselves and they think, we'll tap him now and we'll bleed him for yeah. money and pints. Shocking. Yeah. Unbelievable. But like, the way people take advantage. Yeah, but like it's like people are saying, like, he could, he could, like, he could die inside there and no one would know. I know. Well, hopefully, Hopefully, yeah. There's one. There's one or two people there now who probably called to him. He was good. He was the uh, John was good with a with a, with, a, with an old friend of his. I forget his name now. He used to live in man's buildings, and they were the best of friends. But this, that man now is dead a couple of years now. But like the bulldog, he's the most nicest man you'll ever meet, and like he deserves he deserves something. Thank you for that. You're very kind for yeah. saying those words. Okay, well said. Need- Thank you. And you know what? We we really do need to hear, the, hear these stories, even if it's just to put them right. Uh, I will come back to Texas as well. I'm from near the area where. He is living, I remember being in that shed where he lived when I was a teenager, which is over 20 years ago. His home was shocking then, and there certainly were rats. I can only imagine 
what it's like now. Uh, text 0868104106. Get on the air because we really should be very angry about this and people should be passionate and people should be demanding that things just cannot continue to go on as they are. And I don't mean that in any kind of an insightful way, uh, but you really should be, um, you know, um, certainly getting in touch with this program and sharing your own views, because that's what we're here for every day till midday. Finbar, good morning. Morning. Okay, what do you make of all of this then? We're ta- I know, I just saw all that chat, all that, make news, you come on, Neil. The councillor, yeah. Councillor, yeah, come on. He wouldn't have been on only only when he held you this morning or going on about it. He didn't ever come on. He knew it last week. When did he come on about it? Um, he knew it last week because the worker inside in City Hall told him that he should look out for this chap. Yeah, but when did he get on to the programme then last week, during the week? Why did he have to wait? And you would have been still waiting if that wasn't highlighted. Mm. Does it? Does it? On, they're, they're just just on the table. They're, they're all talk. They're grateful to talk. The same just killed the cat. He came on there. He's going to do all this. Give all documentation. And what's all the documentation for? I want to know. I want to know just, how long he was on a list and what happened to his file. I don't know about Tom Bowie's list. They're getting off buses and planes, and there's my Jews waiting for them. They have no documentation. You are aware that a lot of those getting off the planes now are being told. We have nowhere to put you. You're just going to be on the street. You but know who's, going, who's going into the Maju? Should they have the nails ready for the Maju's blown, blown man and Mallow? Who are they? There's no Irish going into them. No, no Irish, no. No, not an Irish person. No, they're not being built for that purpose, you see. They've no. been built for Ukrainian refugees. And there was a show, show, on, the show on there last night to get a hand on. She had no show. She had to supposed to be very good, I'd say, because she's going to up the game at that show big time. I think she's going to well, do a I good job. Well, I hope she does, because she, I hope she be as vocal as she was when she was in the other show. They were phoning and she was having the same in the studio. Yeah. She was good. Yeah, she is and good. There, yeah. was, there was four or five men on, on Katie Hannan. Well, Katie Hannan, the one on the hill from, from the Finnegan. Well, she was talking about going back on the top 2000 and what they done a couple of years ago and they brought the place from the brink back up to where it was again. That's all she's talking about. Talking mm. a load of rubbish. That's all you hear from, from the ship from the feeling years. But you see, politicians to have to toe the... To, politicians have to toe the party line. You know, that's the problem. Uh, but the uh, party line, should, should they have no voice? No, They're none. afraid to say anything because they're thrown out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what's happened wrong. And there was the whole lot of them on. Cathy was on it, McCafty, or the Champagne. The whole lot of them were talking, and not one of them. Not one of them. And I'm here to hear them now. What, would you, the what top, would you do? What would you do? From, no, but no, but from the top to the bottom, they finished. From the top to the bottom, the whole lot of them. Waffle. In the government. Waffle. Not one of them talked about the Irish getting hosed. Not one of them. They're all... The Ukraine, the war, there was this other thing, how they made it a big name, then how they gave them, the other friends coming from other, other non-European countries. Yeah, international protection orders, yeah. It looks respectable now for them, like, yeah. you can't be crazy and give them the other name anymore, you got to love us, you'll be racist. But, uh, there's not one of them, every one of them has never crazy and said, what about our own? So what would you do? I'd, I'd make sure. That every one of the Irish are housed before the Ukrainians, the non-nationals, the to us in the from Georgia, the fellas from Africa, the whole lot of them. Yeah. They shouldn't be here. They're only getting on the bandwagon. And half of them came are coming from England. And that's where they, they landed. 
So there should be over there. That's where you must put down your roots. And you can't come on to... Uh, do you include Ukrainian refugees as well who fled war and fled uh, the dictator Putin? But, I, but I'm, looking at, I'm looking at war. I'm looking at the places over in Ukraine there that be on television. Half of them places were falling down. They're ready to come down, I'd say. Uh, that's not the point, though, you know. Uh, but it's the point. I'm making the point. They're on the bandwagon. They're coming here. They have the best thing here. Not all of them. Not, 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 no, they're, they're not. Running, Finbar, that's, from, that's just not true. They're, that's just not true. Not one second, if you're running from a place, because you're supposed to come with your last bit of your, your shoes on you, they have, the be, they, have, they have gear on them. They have runners on them. They're worth nearly 150 euro. And they have the best to see in the... the Come on, man. Let's not be talking about the runners and the shoes on their feet. For I'm the, I'm the, it's still in front of me. I'm only telling the truth. Well, don't they like the truth, right? No, I don't. I just... They try to do what they'll do next. They'll take that old dictionary, the truth. You can't take the truth anymore. You want right. to say that? Oh, Jesus Christ, you can't say that. I'm not a fool either, you know. I, I, do, I, I, do, I do know. Here. You have Frasco here and, and Martin. They were involved. What's in the name in the health care when, when this thing happened about the homes? They are responsible to do them. And they're denying it. He was on their last They took bread from the table of families who had members who were going into nursing homes. They took the bread from yes. the table. They took their homes from them. People had to they, they, sell they had their to farms. Because, and, yeah, yeah. Oh, sure. Because the people had no one there to back them up. And they knew that they were on their last legs. And they wouldn't have much more, more to live. That's what they were doing. Hoping. That they go away, and that's what happened. And brazen and it out because they won't have the money to fight the state in court. They were afraid, and they were afraid of the state because yeah. the state were backed by, by the government. They had the money. All right, my man. Let let did not, I tell you, not to disgrace. All right, let me we're get you. And, and we're putting up with this crowd here, Sinn Féin and, well, not Sinn Féin, uh, Fine Gael and Fine Foil and the Greens, that crowd, they're destroying the country, destroying it. You were laughing. She thought through, through the side of her mouth. She got the ass there, pumped the money in there, blowing the West Ham down in the, uh, by the upper house. So that's the only way the whole heritage is in that place. We're in the disgrace. We're nowhere. You, are you so talking? Oh, yeah, that's a reference to the gallery, is it? Crawford. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, All right. We're, we're right. going down to Ireland again. Roger Gorman coming to Ireland. He great me. Fair play, Finbar. Okay, leave it, at, leave it at that. I've covered a lot of oh, ground. Appreciate it. Well, I got that impression from you, for sure I did. Um, actually, just on that issue with regards to the state and the um, families, many, many, many families from the 1970 onwards who were fleeced by the state for nursing care. and uh, Because in the Health Act of 1970, it entitled all citizens to free, long-stay care in public institutions. Um, but Brenda Power in the mail this morning says, but the Department of Health continued to charge families on nursing homes and the patients because they needed the money. It was an illegal thing to do and they did it for years and years. Uh, and of course, as she says this morning, when the victims of this scam discovered that they had been fleeced, uh, they went to the law to try and retrieve their money. Um, and then the state started a new strategy um, the victims were told to get lost, that they didn't have a leg to stand on. Uh, most of the families, uh, the perpetrators reckoned, wouldn't have the resources of the money to get a top-notch legal team to sue the state. And the poor suckers would be scared off by the defence tactics of the state. But at that stage, of course, remember, their savings would have been gone. Their farms or their family homes might have been sold if they lost. Now, it's different now because we have the fair deal system.
but back then there was also a protection under statute law which was the Health Act of 1970 which the state and successive governments for years brazenly ignored and brazened it out uh, anyway Jackie good morning good morning Neil uh, you wanted to pick up on the situation regarding a man living in an abattoir Yes, Neil. And listen, congratulations on your show. You're our only voice we have, well, you and um, thank you the other radio that. stations. Yeah, Other right. than that, we wouldn't have no voice at all. all right. No, what I want to pick up with is um, uh, Noreen, number one. You've done a fantastic fair play to you, uh, telling us about Noreen and now Yeah, John. but not, 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 not Gary's wheelchair, though. Uh, that vulnerable boy, man, he's 38 years old, yeah. is still trapped in a borrowed right. wheelchair that doesn't have the large wheels for pushing himself around. I mean, I, I know that there are many people listening to me who have children who yeah. either are or should be in the CAMS system and aren't getting help, whether it's psychological or occupational therapy. I That's know true. all of that. I know all of that. We're, it's bad. Yeah. And now we hear that there are jobs unfilled. Uh, why? I don't know. Maybe they don't pay them enough. Maybe the work is too hard. I don't know. But anyway, go ahead. But Neil, what I was saying, you know, is I done years ago, I done charity work. I came across an awful lot of obviously you come across a lot of elderly people and stuff like that. And what I'm thinking is that just my point of view, nobody else's. It's just that you so many lonely people, you know, living in probably council houses of their own. I can't, you see, I can't say for private houses because they're probably owned by families, you know. Mm, yeah. But what I'm saying is just people in, like elderly people in council houses. Wouldn't it be a fantastic thing if they were shared? You know, like if you had an elderly woman living in a house a very elderly woman, and she had somebody living with her that was elderly that were compatible. You know what I mean? Assume you assume you could make it compatible, that they'd get along yes. or that they yes. wouldn't want their own independent stuff. But in the case where they might be looking for somebody to come in for company. Yes. Yeah. For company and be allowed to do that. And you know that they, they would be compatible. Like outside that, like everyone's happy. Like this man, John. Surely, but to God, there's somebody out there in a co- if they won't give him a, a council place of his own. But surely, there's somebody out there lonely, like John, in a in a in a council flat, maybe two bedroom flat. That would you know that would say like I'd like a bit of company, and me and Johnny get on. He seems to be a beautiful person. Yeah, no, lovely guy from all yeah. accounts. Yeah. You know, like surely some system could be put into. But you know, there's, but there's, 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 there's little homes in Madden's buildings and they're empty. They're empty. There could be, I, don't, I don't know how many between that, the two that, terraces. That's shameless. But there's, there could Isn't be a dozen of them. Shameless. Just that's absolutely there. shameless. But that, that's Unless all they I want filled to them say, since the last time we spoke about it on air. But there was, yeah. a, there was certainly a double digit figure mentioned last time I spoke about it. I nearly don't know. I just want to come here and listen. You're not depressing us. You're actually our voice, and it's absolutely oh, that's, brilliant. Thanks so much. Okay. I know. I just. I, I just I'm just conscious of so much being wrong. So much. I've never been on the air in a, all the years on air where everything is just so wrong, and there's more division now and anger now uh, than ever before. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106. Cork's Red FM. Hope you can hold on, John. I'll call him. I'll come back to you in a few seconds' time. Um, but quite an amount of texts, and I'm trying to be as balanced, and I have to be as balanced as I can. It's difficult a lot of the time, though. I live in Mill Street. A bus picks up refugees every day at Green Glens. A CIE bus brings them to McCroom or Cork, and then the way back brings them to Killarney. The bus goes down to Green Glens 
when it comes to Mill Street to pick them up. Um, well, you know, uh, if you are stuck in Mill Street with that, you know, you know what I'm going to say, without any any transport and you need to move around or, you know, even for your mental health to be able to move around. I don't know the bus is such a bad idea. But anyway, uh, well done. Uh, the racism keeps going. Uh, you tend to forget about the people who are in charge of this mess. That would be proper journalism. Well, you're obviously not listening properly because I did say right at the get-go that we have issues in this country and what this is is a situation created by those that are supposed to be running the country. That's why people are divisive. That's why there's a lot of anger. Um, so I hope to God you're listening. The reason these refugees have been packed into unfit conditions is our government keeps putting money into the hands of the people that control the country. They are only using the refugees as a money-making exercise. So, yeah, well, they, they, they are giving money into the hands of hoteliers and hotel companies and big chains of hotels and guest houses and also citizen Ireland to give over their holiday homes. Uh, the Ukrainians get free food, a roof over their head and social welfare. Didn't RT issue Ukrainians that are refugees going back to Kiev for Christmas? Uh, isn't there supposed to be a war there? Um, these men, the International Protection Order should not be here. They should have been turned back at the airport every time. International Protection Order BS. Here in Clonakilty, we have a couple of those from Killarney somewhere but we're never consulted if we wanted them. And of course, that is some chaps who would have come from, you know, Killarney who have been involved in very, very serious, serious attacks and rioting that led to um, uh, knife injuries. Uh, it will spill onto our own streets eventually. I, for one, do not want them here in, in, in uh, Clonakilty, and I'm not afraid to say it. The Constitution stands as written. This country belongs to the Irish people. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> this country does not belong to anybody, you know, it's like it, you know, think about what you're saying. This country belongs to Irish people. It's like close the borders, pull up the drawbridge, shut the place down. If that was the case, like this country wouldn't even work. It just wouldn't even be able to do business. Um, the country belongs to everybody that's in the country. I understand that people might have issues with regards to protecting our heritage and our culture, uh, but we need the freedom of movement of people. Surely be to God. You can't just say. It's an Irish country. Only Irish people can live here. Um, I would love to come on air, but I wouldn't trust myself. A family member of mine is stuck living in a hostel for the homeless. It was meant to be temporary. A year later, he's still there, mentally unwell. Shame on our government for letting him down, both medically and making him homeless. Well, he's homeless because he's vulnerable, you see. Um, And that's the reason that people fall through the cracks and should get extra help. Open up a hotel for the likes of the Irish people, why don't you? Time to close our doors to everyone else. One more. Uh, When you say, why can't we be progressive like other multicultural countries? What exactly are you referring to, Neil? Places like London, Paris, Stockholm, where certain suburbs are effectually effectually unpoliceable and no-go areas with levels of violent crime and sexual assaults at unprecedented levels? Is that what you're talking about? It's not racist to say that their integration policies have patently failed in those countries, but it's very easy to denounce concerned citizens as being far right when they simply ask what the government plan on this integration actually is. Thank you for those, and there are many, believe me. Back to the phone as we go. Uh, Colm should be online too. Colm, good morning. Good morning. You think there are more, you think there are more Patrick Johns out there, do you? Oh, there's plenty of them out there. You think so? Or you know oh, so? Not, well, I, I, I know of one or two that would be elderly living on their own. Like, I live on my own, but I'm happy. I'm fine where I am. Um, and I'm one of the lucky ones. 
So, but there are a lot more, and I believe it's harder and harder for these people to be recognised. But why? Is it because files get lost, or, as you were saying, oh, there excuse. was a computer error, or that's uncomplete a, documentation? Excuse. Yeah, that's an excuse. If somebody comes in and talks to somebody, that has to be written down somewhere. That has to be. And this idea of getting lost is a whole load of blarney. But if somebody presents, say, and says, I've been living in an abattoir, an abandoned abattoir yeah. for years, um, do you go on the bottom of a list then, is it? Yeah, at the bottom of the list? Well, well, basically, I believe that at this stage there should be uh, a department or a section where people come in that have issues in relation to John. We're talking about John today. Um, and that should be then handed over to someone that looks after and that will follow it up. But it just isn't happening. It isn't going to happen because nobody is held accountable. I mean, you're going to be on about councillors and whatnot, and they'll do their best for today. But then tomorrow, they go back and do what they were doing yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it just doesn't, it doesn't yeah, we'll do it now because Neil or whoever is on our backs and is becoming public. And then it's a case of, right, let's stay down. Let's go back and do what we Now, you make an interesting point with the little amount of time that I've left, and that is that many, many young people see no future whatsoever in this green isle of ours, and they've left, no. including yours. Yeah, two out of three. And I would expect my third, I would advise her. Advice. See, yeah. see how the other side lives. Yeah, yeah. Now, they can always come back. I mean, that's, that's up to them, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's really hard if you can't buy a house, you can't rent a house, you can't get a house on social where they're supposed to live. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. you know. So if you can't live in an area, you can't work in an area. You can't you save. Can't you know, a lot of the a lot of the time, it's just people are going from hand to mouth. Even young people, not necessarily well paid, so therefore they can never even save. And even if they were saving, they know that the amount that's needed and the cost of a house now is always going to be outside of their reach. Yeah, but I mean, it's one thing to be outside of the reach, even if they had three or four together. They can't even get that house. Just that, just there's more people looking than there is housing, yeah, yeah, even yeah. in the private market. So um, Too few for too many. To. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and until that is changed, which I can never see in the short term, any of this ever happening, is it just goes on. But then, do we... In other words, if you're having a cup of coffee in the morning, and you pour your coffee into your teacup. Do you keep on pouring? Mm. Mm. Because that's what's happening. I mean, okay, I help people. What are you people saying? That you're you saying that we shouldn't be? We no, should... no, no. Don't don't close the doors. I mean, that isn't the answer either. But at the mean, you know, you take in a section or um, a quantity of people and deal with those quantities. In other words, put them where they should be put. In other words, into housing, into whatever accommodation. And once that's set, set, uh, set, then bring in more. But don't bring them in. It's like a tsunami. You okay. just can't deal with it. Okay, okay. You know? Okay, thanks, Colin. Back after 11, text 0868104106. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench, every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. 
104 to 106 Red FM. This is the Neil Frienderville Show. Yes, indeed. Can I just mention uh, another great giveaway this week uh, as we push the uh, really great work that's been done at Cork Airport, adding all of the time extra flights to new destinations constantly. And they've got Vueling on board, Vueling.com. And they fly twice weekly from Cork Airport direct to Paris or Lee Airport. And we have for you a two-night trip, a lovely weekend break for two in Paris with Cork Airport and Vueling.com. So it's return flights for both of you, hotel accommodation in Paris, free car parking at Cork Airport, and you'll spend some time in the Aspire Lounge before you board your aeroplane. So Cork Airport, Cork uh, Airport going from strength to strength with Vueling Airlines. So it's spontaneous stories again this morning. Tomorrow I'll probably flip it. I'm keen to do something about St. Bridget's Day tomorrow and uh, we might have a bit of fun with that as finding Cork's best Bridget or the <laughs> greatest Bridget or the best Bridget friend you have or something like that for the day that's in it. But for today, it's your spontaneous stories. Things that you literally dropped everything and did or went to or bought. Um, it was a great story yesterday that and if it's not beaten today, it'll probably get into the final as well on Friday. A woman went in to get her car serviced and instead of getting the car serviced, bought a brand new car instead. Those kind of ones, you know. So anyway, text on those. Text 0868104106. Email neil at redfm.ie. Well done again for all that your program does for people in need and highlighting such important topics. Thank you for that. I just worry all of the time, uh, you know, when it's it's kind of sad or negative or highlighting stories that um, are, you know, shocking, yes, but also depressing, you know. Um, it's unfortunate, really, that, uh, you know, it, it seems to be um, going from bad to worse, this country, to hell in a handcart. Uh, thank you and fair play for trying to help this man out. He could have been another one of those statistics that falls through the cracks. I think up until now he has been falling through the cracks and been left to his own devices. Our own living like poor John, yet we can have illegal immigrants coming off a plane with no documentation, being looked after in hotels and homes leased at the taxpayer's expense. The government needs to be removed. They run around then like headless chickens trying to sort things out for those that have torn up their documentation on airplanes. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't get that part of it. The other part, me personally, I get refugee status. I understand that. I get asylum seekers. I understand that. But no documentation when arriving at an airport, um, you know, what the heck's that about? Uh, Asher, John is only Irish, Neil. You shouldn't be worried about him, says the texter. Very sad listening, and that was being tongue-in-cheek and, and sarcastic and ironic, I suppose. Very sad this morning listening to John in Ireland is looking so good all over the rest of the world. I have family in the States, and they all say how great Ireland is for Ukrainians and all the other people that are coming here. But for God's sake, we have to help our own people. Thank you for listening to him and helping. Hopefully he'll get a little flat council is just awful they misplaced his file and all these years he's been living like this and the rats are coming into him it's so sad says Marie keep those texts coming I have a long email actually but I've got to print it here in front of you but it's also nicer to chat Kerry good morning good morning so rather than me reading it out for it is quite lengthy it's the full page of an A4 share with us what's on your mind instead So, Neil, I just think that it's absolutely ridiculous that today this man can't be taken out of the conditions that he's living in and housed in one of the new bills or one of the houses that are, at the minute, idle. Many of the houses that are idle, that they can't be contracted. So it can be sold off at quite a less amount of what a house would usually cost and that the repairs are left to the person who owns the house. 
So that way... As in, se- sell them as they are to people who do them as do them uppers. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Like, it can be sold at a, a far less price for what a house is actually being I'm sold. I'm still going through house. villages across South Kerry and West Cork, entire housing estates unfinished and sitting there. Yeah, absolutely, Neil. This man is left to his own devices. He's on his own. Nobody is helping him. And yes, the problem can't be fixed today. Yeah. Have you, you, you also a reference in the email, I can send you pictures of hundreds of houses that have been left idle for an outrageous amount of time. Are we talking about in the city, in the suburbs? Yeah, so I'm actually from Macy's myself, Neil, so I could give you 50 houses probably in that area alone. For how long, some of them? How long? Give me the longest. Probably two years, three years maybe. Yeah, yeah. What's the turnover time again for a city council house? I know it's extraordinarily long. Is it something like... 65 weeks or something nuts like that yeah something along the lines of that name yeah like I mean people are complaining and turning against other people who are seeking refuge in a different country which is totally understandable because our people are not being looked after themselves so it's understandable that people want to come here and have a safe place to live absolutely nobody wants to be in the middle of a war Neil it's frightening and scary we would like to we have seeked refuge in other countries ourselves but I mean to have no background checks done on these people who come in I can't imagine the Irish people having a problem with families coming here that are willing to work and are willing to and a lot of Ukrainians are working yeah and like but it's not just Ukrainians Neil there's many people from all other parts of the world that come here to make a better life for themselves and everybody's entitled to a better life but it's the fact that our own people are pushed to the side like John which is absolutely disgusting like that man has been living on his own living in conditions like that and absolutely nobody cares nobody you know what the country and those that have been running it successive governments they've been caught now if you like with their trousers down in the sense that the, the, the vulnerability of Ireland has been shown up now when we want to help others to come here to flee war and it has shown that, you know, the fragility of living in Ireland for those here anyway, when other people need emergency help, that we just, everything collapses because there just isn't places to house those that are coming here because there's not places to house those people that are here already. Now, how much yeah. of that is greed by builders and developers and landowners? That's perhaps also part of the problem that's driven house prices through the roof. But we've been yeah, we've been caught out been now. You hard. see, our government's been caught out big time. Yeah, it's this isn't down to anybody but the government. Like people are blaming other people, and it's would you not come to a country where you thought you were safe and you could give your children a better life? Of course you could. Every Irish person would. It's not their fault. It's absolutely the government's fault. But we have nowhere to go, nothing to do. We can't. What do we do, Neil? No one's given yeah, anybody. But we. Yeah, but but, but what then about what about welfare tourists that are coming here? What about those that are coming here to set up and it is happening? organised crime in this country. Um, is, is that not a worry and a fear, particularly those that are arriving without any documentation? What's the reason for not arriving with a passport or tearing up your documentation? There can be no good reason for that. No, absolutely not. And it's down to our own country for allowing those people to come in here with no documentation. Like, obviously, we have our own criminals and we have our own horrible things that come from our people too. But, I mean, we don't need to add to that. We don't need to multiply it by people who have not come have not been from this country but the answer Kerry is not to in your email you say the answer is to shut the country down what do you mean by that everybody should stop working everybody should stop stop everything shut everything down imagine what the country would turn to they need us 
more than we need them to run this country and to put money into it. If people were able to, and I understand, Neil, obviously people are terrified to, to do something like that, but look at the likes of France. They don't stand for something like that. They shut their country down and then they are answered. They'll ignore us until we actually stand up and do something. This is not anything exclusive to us, this division in society with the way things are being done and run. It's the same in the UK. The French are dealing with it as well. The Germans are dealing with it. You know, Scandinavian yeah, countries have been dealing with it. It's the people, Neil, that don't have what the power and the money who have to suffer. The vulnerable like Patrick John, for instance, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and not even just those people. Like, there are people who are luckily enough to have a roof over their head but are living with four or five other people. The houses are overcrowded. It's not just singularly one person or one situation. There's many situations and many people dealing with certain different problems. And absolutely nobody is helping anybody from our government. Do you believe that a home is an entitlement? Do you believe that it's a right or do you believe... absolutely. Everybody is entitled to a safe place, Neil, a roof over their head, food and water. These are basic needs for human beings to survive. But when when did we come to a societal point where everyone now is entitled to be provided with a home? I, to be honest, Neil, I don't really have an answer for that. But like, is it not a basic human right to have a safe place to have a roof over your head? Of course, it is. Like people, no, no, that is that is a basic right. But my my point is to be provided with it. There's a big difference there. If 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 it becomes a if it becomes law that everybody is entitled to be provided with a house. Sure, nobody, well, no one would work. No one would become an achiever. Nobody would try yeah, and better yeah, themselves. Absolutely, no, 100%. But if, if you're able to, to provide, to put back into the society, to, you're paying your taxes, you're, everything that you do. And I know some people aren't able to, to work for multiple different reasons or whatever. But like a lot of those people give back through charities and through other ways and means. But people should be entitled to have a home over their heads. They should be. Of course they should. Yeah. Um, the reason I ask that is some of the modular homes issue there recently, right, that's been built in Mallow and in Mahan, and people in Mahan have protested about this and perhaps are continuing to protest. But lo and behold, along come these kind of texts. Don't know what they're protesting down in Mahan for. 90% of them never worked a day in their lives. Another one. It's a bit rich come from the people down in Mahan. 80% of the houses down there would be social housing. They're all on the dole and living off benefits themselves. They have no right to protest. These are people who are angry, who who have worked all their lives, who have paid their taxes, which is understandable, but everybody doesn't have the same mindset, Neil. So everybody is not going to be able to go out and work or to go out and do these things. And it's it's nobody's fault that these people can't do what they're doing, but it's it's not down to the people to, to deal with this. It's down to the government to put something in a in a position, in a place that people like this are also housed. But I don't know, Neil, do community service, do some sort of something, have some record for these people giving back. But it's not the case. Yeah. But, but you don't want a society where, where, where I'd say, I'm just going to sit in my ass now and do nothing, right? I'm just going to loaf along. I'm going to get a medical card. I'm going to get all of my benefits. And I'm going to get a roof over my head. I'm going to have children and all will be good. And the more I have, the more I'll get. You don't yeah, want that. That's what, that the government has, that's what the government has basically portrayed to us, that it's actually far easier. I've worked since I'm 16 years of age, Neil. I've paid all of my taxes and I will probably not ever be able to afford a house on my own unless I either have children and wait on a list 
or I'm lucky enough to, to get married and be in a, in a position where we can come together and afford Two to incomes. pay a mortgage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How's, and how do you feel about that? <laughs> that you did work hard. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine. And, well, I, I'm not blaming the people, Neil, who aren't getting up and going to work because sometimes I look at it and question it would probably be much easier for me to do the exact same thing, just to have children and to be able to claim and to sit there. Why would I not do that when they're offering it to other people who are coming in from other countries and, and that's the life that they can live? But yeah, a lot of the Irish have worked numerous amounts of years, paid all of their taxes and literally... What do they get for it? Absolutely nothing. We don't even get medical care. Our systems are so run down that we are, the working class people, get the least. Let me go live actually to Kevin Galvin after the break, but thank you for your email first and then for agreeing to come on air, Kerry. Have a good day. No, well, very well made points. Mind yourself. Take care. Uh, Kevin Galvin is uh, on site uh, at Patrick John's uh, home in inverted commas after these get it off your chest call neil prenderville now on 0818 104 106 red fm come back to the phone lines uh hope tom can wait a little while actually i tell you what let me let me just uh, go and get an update because kevin galvin has traveled to where john is living and he sent me on a couple of videos actually and i've just watched them there during the ad break and he joins me by phone kevin good morning Morning, Neil. How are you? Good. Um, I mean, the, the short videos that you've sent me from areas, it does look to me like an abandoned factory, or in this case, an abandoned abattoir, something typically that's been closed and left there for years. Absolutely. Like, as I was speaking to John here, and I hope you can hear me because I just have John on speakerphone next to me. But, uh, like, even as I said, as I approached the gates of... It, it looks almost like a cross between a, a, a factory and a and the farmhouse really um, and as I said like even when you get to the gates of it if the doors were closed you wouldn't think anybody was in here the, the, all of the roofs have totally caved in apart from the actual abattoir building itself but all the outbuildings all the roofs have caved in including where John said he was living up until about a year previous to the roof collapsing um, inside here now there's a kind of a porter cabin inside the actual abattoir where John's kind of living quarters let's say are but if you take one step out to the right you're in the fridge area where all the pigs and sheep would have hung um, and if you go around the back you would be where they've been slaughtered and really apart from it being cleaned nothing has changed of the building it, it is exactly as it was when it was left abandoned a few years ago as an abattoir uh, I did see in one of the videos um, what would have been, and it's now clearly obviously switched off, but a very large meat storage fridge uh, and uh, his, his, his laundry's hanging up there to dry, is it? That's right, yeah. So I was kind of saying it's almost the irony of having one thing hanging to another thing hanging because this is, is so you would have, I'm actually standing in the room now, so you would have the... Um, you would have the at the back where the cattle came in they come in through a small door and there'd be a pen and that pen is still relatively it looks still relatively new it, it, it certainly wasn't the original pen that was there when John started working here and then you can see the contraption where they would have hung they would have there's a big hook and a mechanical hook that would have picked and lifted those uh, those animals to be hung on the rail and then as you go down towards the rail um, the, John has a kind of a, a makeshift uh, piece of twine that he's kind of or a string that he has tied up on the columns that support that big uh, contraption and uh, he's hanging his a lot of his washing off there and that kind of seems to be a kind of a makeshift wardrobe but like Neil these are I mean, I, live, I li lived in a cold country house myself but this is absolutely nothing compared to it. This place is 
freezing, it's totally untouched. And apart from the little porta cabin where John has a, has a small warmer, it's it's not. You know, it's essentially a makeshift living space. Yeah, no matter no matter what one would do there, one could never turn a scenario like that into no. a home. But his, have you visited where he is? Is he okay showing you where he where he lives or where he sleeps yeah. or where he cooks? So yeah, this is it's where the bed is essentially contained within the porta cabin where he is. So in here you have the bed and there's a heater and there's a TV and there's a there's a there's a kind of a washing machine and. Um, just bits there's two pit bulls that had arrived on the door six months ago that still haven't a name there's scraps left out for them on the floor and just some some stuff to make some food and coffee and and instant coffee and that's kind of that's basically it all within in a fridge inside of, inside of what is essentially a kind of a porter cabin nailed onto one of the walls of the the abattoir but every other room inside here is still very much a slaughterhouse, you would know exactly what it is when you came in here. Mm-hmm. So that, that portagamon is attached to the outside, not inside. It's, no, it's in the inside. So you come in the main, it's there's inside. a big gate, and you come in the big gate, and then just inside there's kind of like a plasticky uh, porta cabin, I suppose is what you'd call it, uh, with a kind of a corrugated iron on the inside, and, and that's kind of, it's almost, there's an inside wall, one of the inside walls is kind of the back wall of it, if you like, and then the port cabin is kind of built onto that around it. Okay. Um, okay. So it's, but like even, there's no, like I'd say there's absolutely no insulation on these port cabins, they're just PVC. Mm. Um, that's all it is, it's just a PVC, a little PVC port cabin that seems to have been installed here. Um, but other than that, the rest of the building, like even as John was saying, he was living in what he called the canteen, which was one of the buildings across the, the kind of farm yard here and the roof on that is totally collapsed all the outhouses all the roofs have totally collapsed so it's 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 like a short of knocking and completely rebuilding this place is a not a suitable place for anybody to be living it's it's barely a suitable place if cattle were still here to be totally honest with you yeah and, and again this was somewhere that he knew very well all his life because he worked there and he did his shifts during the day and then he was the watchman at night so he had a bed there anyway so when all of that closed he literally just stayed on you know and that was it yeah he literally just stayed on where he was and um, there was no as, as John was telling me that there was there doesn't seem to be any real sort of push from anybody to try and help him out in this situation apart from when he had a couple of pals to bring him down to, to do his shopping and he has Eddie who was looking after him who we spoke to on the show earlier yeah. but other than that, uh, like even the neighbours here, they, they, they would know that he is here, but I suppose he's kind of a, almost a persona non grata because of his living conditions. So, um, and it's, it's a pity because we've, as you've been hearing on the show all day, people have been calling in and we had a caller on earlier uh, whose dad worked with with John and um, was just singing his praises about what a nice man he is. And I, I can only say the same thing. I can't understand why somebody like him would end up in a position where he's living in a place like this. Is he excited that this could potentially change now um, after this morning, that things could get considerably better for him going forward? Do you want to tell him yourself, John? Well, just, just ask him there. Yeah. yeah. Are you excited about the potential, uh, the potential of, of things changing for you? Oh, yeah, yes. Mm. Can you hear him, Neil? I can hear him, yeah. Is he on speakerphone? <laughs> He's on speaker with me. He's standing next to me, yeah. John, thank um, you. Is. Thank you for allowing Kevin to see where you're living. Appreciate it's that. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been describing it. It's shocking. Yeah. 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 We, we, would, we would hope that by talking with you and him visiting and also talking about it on air, that somebody somewhere who can make a decision can improve things for you, you know? Yeah. 
So would you be would you be optimistic that things will get better, that you will get a place? Yes, I will. Well, what's called Mr. Paddy Paddy is going to drive me in now, Friday. What's in Paddy O'Brien? Paddy O'Brien. Yeah, Paddy O'Brien is going to drive me in Friday morning to the to Connolly Hall again. Mm-hmm. And, and, and tell me you, yeah, well hopefully the next few days now will make a huge difference to your circumstances right hopefully it yeah. will but do you not you don't go out anymore for the few pints do you know do you just keep no, t- they're going to flip in the yeah I know I know I know when you're younger yeah yeah, John was telling me this. I said to him did you feel kind of haunted in a place like this where there were live you know animals that would have been slaughtered and you were living here and John said, well, only really after the few drinks you'd, you'd kind of yeah. you'd come back out and you'd kind of get spooked because you'd realise what was actually going on. But yeah, it's just, yeah. it's incredible to think that somebody would spend their whole life living in a place where animals were slaughtered and hung. You know, it's just, it's, it's like something out of a horror film. You know, can you imagine waking up in the morning and you come outside your door, you've had your breakfast. And no, I get that, but that would, be, that would be even more tragic if he, for instance, wasn't in the system, but he has been in the system, you know, and mm. the system has failed him, and for whatever reason, he has been forgotten about, and that's what we want to put right, you know. How, how would you sum it up in a word, the conditions there? Desperate. Yeah. Maybe the best word, uh, or, 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 and I mean, even... Like even John, he has a, a kind of a craft knife, I suppose, kind of just hanging up outside the door in case there's any unwanted visitors. I mean, if if I was in John's situation, and I don't want to be putting words in John's mouth, but I would be petrified living in a place like this. Mm. You know, out in the middle of the, the country, out in a place where it's unsuitable to live, and at any moment somebody could come down the laneway and you don't know who they are. You know, it's in total darkness. I mean, John was telling me only recently somebody gave him a generator to provide power. Other than that. Uh, when the power went out in the winter, he said you'd almost be biting off your own toenails with the cold. I don't know how you survived mm. the winters there, to be quite honest with you. You couldn't, no matter what you did, you couldn't heat a place like that. It's just impossible. But then I've seen, look, I, I mean, we've, we've dealt with cases on this show and unfortunately just plenty of people out there still, like John and Noreen and 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 that, that poor lady out in Blackpool. But yeah, this is definitely the worst living conditions I think I've ever seen anybody live in. Okay, all right. Okay, okay. I let you get back to it there. I know you're gathering some video footage, so um, but at least, at least from here on, things should start to improve from. And I hope that he's um, a lot more optimistic than he was, say, three or four hours ago, because an awful lot of people will be rooting on his behalf. All right, thanks for that, Kevin. Do stay in touch if there's any more you want to come back on. So he's on site there with uh, John in his abattoir home. Uh, Very sad listening to John this morning in Ireland, um, just being portrayed overseas as being such a welcoming and generous country. Yes, but not for its own. Um, (laughs) The work you do is a credit. I hate reading out things like this, but I was attracted to this because it talks about my retirement. Um, I'm telling you, when you decide to retire in another 40 years, they'll never be able to replace you. Uh, credit to the people of Cork and the heartbeat of Cork for keeping it beating. Um, let me let me tell you, everybody's replaceable. Every single body of us is replaceable. And, uh, you know, people might say for a while, ah, oh, it's a shame, you know, he's gone and it was great and we'll never hear the likes of it again. But after a few weeks, people will forget. They'll move on to new things. I don't mean that in a kind of a bitter or a sad kind of a way. It's just the way the world works. But not anytime soon. Maybe another four or five years and then we'll call it a day. Do something different. Travel the world by train or something. 
<laughs> Who knows? But then again, what is it they say? When you make plans, God is just laughing at you. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818-104-106. Um, there's loads of people living in conditions like that man and worse in our city, says Jim. The Southern Health Board are very aware of them, but because they're old and are living in homes they own, they fall through the net a lot of the time. I think it's very unfair, and it's been going on for a very long time. If it wasn't for St. Vincent de Paul and other charities helping them, uh, they would have nothing, says Jim. Uh, Paddy says, does anyone else think that what this city and county needs right now is a complete clear-out of council and civil and state workers? Uh, Would that just make things... If you clear them out... um, Firstly, you couldn't do that anyway, certainly with regards to the... Uh, power and the rights of state workers. But secondly, um, would it not lead to more chaos and who would then do the work? I don't actually know how you would tackle this. I just don't know, um, you know, uh, the the state of play. Uh, I mean, I understand that, you know, there is, uh, for want of a better term in much of the world now, a recession going on and interest rates are climbing and people are feeling more and more pain in that regard. But I think we've been shown up really for years and years of not getting it right or not fixing things really and truly properly um, in the state then of an emergency and situations like we've been talking about recently, that's where you get caught out, failing to prepare. Um, Of all the years I've been listening, this is the saddest story I've ever heard. I don't think I'll ever hear something as sad ever again, only that it's highlighted where would we be. Uh, thank you. There's a lot of people saying that and uh, and and I appreciate that, um, but that's not what this is about really. Uh, I wish it was talking about happier things and uh, often wonder, you know, uh, what will it be like? I won't be here. And, oh, I don't know. Who knows how long I'll be on air. But what would, it, what would it be like when somebody else is sitting in this chair? Will it be better? Will it be the same? I can't help but think it would be an awful lot worse. Uh, shame, shame, shame on all of the city council and their bosses. They should be all held accountable. Heads should start rolling at the top. It's sickening carry on from the top down, says Margaret. But what if you were working within a system where you really cared, Right. And you really gave a damn and you went into it within the public sector as a public sector worker and whatever job that might be. And you wanted to make a difference and you wanted to work hard and you wanted to get on and you wanted to help people. But around you, you saw ineptitude or laziness or you saw uh, people who just did the bare minimum. And the culture was to do as little as possible, you know, not to break a sweat. I'd say over time it would break you down, wouldn't it? You'd either become like that or you'd quit. I'll willing willingly donate to John if you find somewhere to live. Great job exposing the bad treatment that people get from the council and the HSE over the last two days. Keep up the good work. You should have an hour every week on bad treatment of Irish citizens by the Irish agencies. <laughs> an hour? My God. You wouldn't even scratch the surface if you gave it a whole week. Can't believe that Mick Nugent knew about this man's plight two weeks ago. And council aren't even considering him for accommodation. Uh, Please highlight this fact. As you said, this government don't give a damn about us and are creating division amongst us. It's they're creating the division, actually. It's, you know, this situation really has been driven by ineptitude and lack of forward planning and thinking. Um, They had it much better years ago. There was less people living in the country. I get that. But there was none of this contracting workout. There was no doing. There was no doing deals with the developers or getting other people to build housing. Uh, the councils built them themselves. They had direct labour, and all of a sudden, somebody decided, a bit like the disbandment of the Southern Health Board and the closure of hospitals. Ah, we'll centralise things. We'll privatise everything and be much, much better. 
extremely frustrating to hear the likes of Kenneth Collins and Mick Nugent on the phone. They're on the phone because I rang them, guys. As so, well, I certainly rang Kenneth Collins anyway. As soon as they could, they only do it for clout. And that's the reason councillors get involved to help people for clout. We've been chasing these councillors for months now only to be given a runaround and all of our correspondence ignored. The definition of a councillor's job is to bridge the gap between the community and the council. I can assure you those councillors turn a blind eye and do absolutely nothing for their community. That's sad to say, actually, again, that's one big broad brush against all of them. Uh, You know, I think that's unfair on those that really do try and help and do try and make a distant difference. Listening to the show, I'm on the housing list 26 years, would you believe? 26 years, still waiting, still renting. Big joke disgusted. No homes for the Irish full stop because we're second class citizens where Europeans and all those in Europe have their own nationality. From the top down, this country is corrupt. That's why we'll never sort this country. We should be the first class citizens in our own country like every other country in the world. First class citizens Irish first. It's sad to be here in terms like that, isn't it? Because again, um, while there may be some validity to them, um, you know, it just leads me to think, oh, that's more that's more divisiveness now and that's more anger that will divide society and it'll be you know, pitch them against us and us against them and uh, Kevin is sharing uh, videos as well with me this morning, um and they're up on our Red FM Facebook page now from where John's living and also on the uh, Neil Red FM Twitter page if you'd like to have a look at some of the videos. Uh, again, if you do so, I would appreciate if anybody's commenting, um, do just be careful about how, how you're commenting because I don't want anybody identifying the building uh, and I don't want anybody identifying, you know, where he is living because it is privately owned and I don't want to get into issues with those that own it and the issues involving um, uh, the, the owners of the property and things like that. So bear that in mind if you're, if you're sharing anything, guys. Back after the break, you can text 0868104106. I'll pick up on this story again in the morning and who knows what will happen between now and tomorrow morning with regards to uh, John's plight. Uh, but um, we got calls in the way because all this week we've got a lovely giveaway with Cork Airport and Vueling Airlines to Paris. And we've calls on that next. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. It's almost impossible anyway to go into the workforce, I suppose, and kick ass anyway, particularly in the public sector, because there's all sorts of protocols. You can't just be giving people grief for not working hard enough anymore. Actually, somebody says, you know, why and why wouldn't it be you talking to um, say, for instance, the Lord Mayor, uh, because I know what they'd say. It's, oh, it's awful and it's shocking and it shouldn't be this way. And society needs to help people like that and protect the vulnerable and help the sick. I know, that, you know I know all of the patter. I've heard of the patter for years and years. It's make a blind bit of difference. Yeah, I was talking yesterday about the five blocks of flats that are built in Blackpool. Somebody will find, would you please find out who will be living in there? I certainly will. And I will talk. Uh, maybe Seamus can give a bell uh, to a sitting north side Blackpool councillor because they are fairly impressive these big big blocks of flats that have been built now they look really good who's going to be going in there you know what's the story with them uh, incidentally somebody from the Blackpool area said that there are six vacant properties six vacant properties in Madden's buildings unoccupied and vacant and have been for quite some time I know them very well although I think that they've been very much done up since in my days when we used to live there and I went back there to live with my grandfather when I was going to the Mon and we lived very happily together, two of us in 24 Madden's buildings, happy times, but 
very small. How in the name of God people reared families, big families in them, I have no idea, with an outside toilet and the tiniest little back kitchen. But anyway, enough of the reminiscing. So we're looking at spontaneous stories, right? And the best one every day goes into Friday's final, which is a trip for two to Paris. Hotel, accommodation, all sorted for you. Not just that, but you can just park up the car at Cork Airport, go into the uh, um, award-winning lounge that is the Aspire Lounge, board your plane, head off to Paris for the weekend and fly back, courtesy of Cork Airport and Welling Airlines. So it's all about spontaneous stories. So let me see how many I can get on this hour. Text 0868104106 on those or email your spontaneous story to neil at redfm.ie. Romy, good morning. Bonjour, Neil. Ah, bonjour. Is that what you said? Bonjour. <laughs> yeah. oh, you're practicing already. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, if you're not in, you can't win. It was a spontaneous <laughs> act of generosity, Romy. Yeah. So um, after a long month of January not being paid, my boyfriend was on to me about him wanting to go home and he's been saving for months. So and shall we say paid. where he wanted to go home to? Brazil. So, um, yeah, he wanted to get flights back to Brazil and he's been saving for ages, but like the cost of living here, it would have taken him a bit longer than he would have liked. So I just, the day I got paid... How much is a, I, how much is a return flight to Brazil on a good day? Oh, it's like 1500 What? Yeah. Oh, um, God. I know, I know. But look, I booked it anyway for him. Hang on a second, um, you and, got paid and did what? I just booked it straight away for him and I got the tickets emailed to him so he thought it was a scam (laughs) saying oh you're flying to Brazil or whatever so yeah and then I went back to his house after work and he was like really and he was nearly crying I can imagine he must have been absolutely in floods yeah so he gets to see his mum and dad now in May do you love him? Oh, I do. He's the best boy. Are you weak from like? <laughs> oh, weak at the knees, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> Would he ever do anything like that for you? Spontaneous oh, w- acts of love. Oh, I say he will. He will. He owes me now after this one, I'd say. Maybe what next year. What if he doesn't come back? If he doesn't, I don't know. I'll have to bring someone else to Paris with me. <laughs> that won't happen. He's a keeper. You're a, you're a keeper in his eyes, I'd say. Oh, big time, big time. He doesn't have to pay you back at a later date, no? No, not at all, not at all. Do you feel good about doing that? Oh, I do. I love buying gifts for people. I leave myself with nothing then. <laughs> But tell me this, how are you going to, su- unless you got a really great job that pays huge money, how are you going to survive the month without 1,500 euro that you it'll normally... Be, it'll be a long February, but look, in February, <laughs> at the end of February, I'll be grand. Oh, he must be so excited, is he? He is. He hasn't seen them since, I'd say, it was before COVID. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, he can't wait. Like, God, oh, his well, mum and dad aren't getting any younger I and know. all that. It's so. just such a beautiful thing to do. It Spontaneous is, is. act of generosity. Where did you meet? Uh, we met in Cork, just seeing each other around. And we went on a few da- dates and then the rest is history. Who approached who? Uh, he approached me, really, Yeah. <laughs> Best thing he ever did, Romy. Best it is, thing he ever it is, did. I'd say, yeah. Listen, it's a great story. Stay listening. I love these stories. Thanks for that. He'll have a great trip. Janice, good morning. Morning, Neil. How oh, are you? my God. I don't know the amount of times now people have said, would you do a bungee jump for charity? And I've said, nope. Nope. Well, to be honest, no, Neil. If I was asked to do it, I probably wouldn't. That's the difference, you see. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But I was out there on the day, my cousin and her, no husband, 
he was doing one for charity and it was, you know, a family day, all set up. There was bouncy castles and the whole lot. So I took one of my sons out with me and we were after sponsoring Shane to do it. And we I, get in the bun- I get in the bouncy cap- castle for you. Do a bit of bouncing <laughs> on that. But not in the end but of an elastic band. We, I was watching it like, and I was like, oh God, I'd love to do it. No, I wouldn't. I couldn't. Couldn't. I'd never do that now. And towards the end, Shane had done his jump with many others and the guy was walking around and he was like, some people haven't turned up because you have to pay to 200 and something euro to do it outside of your sponsorship. For charity. Yeah. And he said, yeah. would anyone, would anyone like to do it? And like an Aegis, me. It's, said, it's yeah, usually I a son or a daughter would say, ma'am, ma'am. Yeah. Oh no, my son was terrified. Now God love us, he was only five, like, but he was like, please don't do it. But I went over and checked in and signed in and did all the stuff you have to do. Do they weigh you, is it? They, yeah, they weigh you and uh, you just sign then. Obviously, you can send forms, so, you know, sign your, sign your life away. Okay, um, did you climb up all right? Nervous? Neil, you should see the video. My cousin actually came up in the cage with me. I was Sorry, it's a cage, it's a hoist. So you're standing yeah, on the platform, how are you feeling? Sick. Your man said to me, it happened to be very windy, so we were spinning uh, when we were up high. Do you know, so I was like, no, I need to face one way, but the wind was turning us. And then he goes, put your two hands out in front of you now and uh, just fall. And I was like, no, no, I can't. I can't just fall. I know I'm not doing this myself. And I actually said to him on the video, my cousin videoed the whole thing, like hysterical. I said, I said, Charmant, will you just give me a push? Push me! I said, just, just give me a small push, I said. Now, my saving grace, Neil, was that I wear glasses, and obviously I had to take them off. I, I couldn't really see. So, push me, and off I went, and it was the best feeling ever. <laughs> what? I what? The, again. You mean, mean the, the ground coming up to meet you was a great feeling? Uh, well, no, Neil, I'd made his clothes, like, you know, but <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'd made his clothes, I didn't want to see that much, but just the whole, the buzz of it, the adrenaline, like, I was, I was still shaking driving home later on. That's what it's, that is as good a spontaneous act as any. Just, I'm Ernie, just like going to do it. Spontaneous or stupid boy. <laughs> look, you only regret the things you don't do. I said I might as well do it. I love it. Great story. We should do it again? No, not in a million years. So what's Unless ne- it was like that. Unless it was spontaneous. I, 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 I couldn't imagine myself doing it. Like, I do, years ago, I did um, myself, my friend, on the way into town. Need. We both work Saturday, so we were off on the Monday, so we were going in town for lunch. And we were going on the bus, and I said to Audrey, I said, I'd love a tattoo. <gasps> oh, yeah, she said, you should get one. <laughs> we got off the bus in Summerhill, walked over to Frank's in McCartan Street, and I got a tattoo. What'd, you get, what'd you get a tattoo of? Oh, God, Neil. I was young. It was a dolphin. <laughs> Where? Where is it? On my thigh. Nobody can see it. <laughs> Nobody at all can see your thigh, no? No, no, they're well, they're very well hidden. <laughs> <laughs> I've 13 more now, Neil Grand. You can see the rest of my tattoos. <laughs> okay, thanks for that. Thanks Cheers. for that. Cheers, take care. <laughs> Stay listening. Spontaneous tattoo and a spontaneous bungee jump. Laura. Good morning, Neil. There are two great calls. What have you got for me? Um, going back 12 or 13 years ago when you used to be able to get the flight from Cork to Dublin. Um, I just decided one night out of blue they were doing a sale, um, a credit flight return. So I said that a which so I booked a pound a euro flight up to Dublin and back. Was that Ryanair Aer Lingus? Who was it? Oh, I can't, oh God, I can't remember now. It was that long ago. <laughs> but for just one of these flash offers, so 
I said, that's great, gone on anyway. And I got seven tickets because I had an open Zafira. So I said, I may as well put bums on seats. So the five kids, myself and my niece, drove into the car, went to Cork Airport, <laughs> got on the airplane, we flew to Dublin, we had a McDonald's, we were like a scene now from Agnes Brown trying to get back on the plane, you know, the one when they're running through the graveyard and there's kids everywhere, flying back down and we got the flight back to Cork again on the one day. <laughs> Just for a McDonald's. Was it a good McDonald's? It was, it was a great McDonald's, but to just to spont- you know, it's it just been spontaneous. But even the kids, if I say, come on, lads, we're going for a spin, they go, oh no, where are we going? I added um, to the fact that time. it was five in the morning, I think, when you got them up, was it? Oh yeah, I did that another morning, I got them up at five Oh, that's a different trip, what was that that's one? That's a trip, um, I got them up at five in the morning and put them into the back of the car and they said, where are we going? I said, we're going to the picnic. And they said, it's dark, I said, in the car, in the car. I drove down to Ross Parked the car in the car park, got on his foot passengers, went over to Wales, <laughs> opened up the blanket. We didn't even leave the port. We opened up the blanket on, in the port. They had their picnic, back on the next ferry, back down to Rathlair and back home in one day again. So if I say, does anybody want to go for a sk- spin? They're just scatter. They <laughs> scatter. Although we, you we gave them, they, they're the anyway. memories they'll remember when they grow up, though. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Yeah, 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 they do. But uh, yeah, we, 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 could, we could end up anywhere. You know? So when did you plan the Ross Lair trip? Was it the night before or what? Oh yeah, the night before. I was just online and it flashed up with passengers to cheap as chips again. <laughs> and I thought, that's great. Now, Those kind of trips nice. come in threes, so you must be planning something else. Oh, these years ago, my daughter, she's not a great traveller on the sea. She was green the whole time. I don't think she's been on a boat since. <laughs> so if oh I say to her, we're, we're, going for a, we're going for a spin, she's going, I'm not going on a boat, ma'am. Please don't tell me we're going on a boat. <laughs> I love it. So the, the entire flight trip for the seven, you caught seven euro return. Yeah, 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 something like that, yeah. Or so, seven pounds, sure, seven euro. Said whatever it was at the time. But sure, you'll be mad not to take off offers like that. And then the Ross Lear trip, cheapest chips as well. I think I'm going to put you. I think I'm going to put you straight into the final for that, Laura. Into oh, Friday's that'd final. That'd be brilliant. I wouldn't mind jumping on another flight now to get out. Well, trips come in yeah. threes, and you might well win on well, Friday. We'll have to see well, what the competition is like. Fingers crossed, Neil. Fingers crossed. <laughs> All right, stay listening, girl. Thank you for that. Thank you, Romy. Thank, thank you, Janice, and thank you, Laura. Day. We're talking about spontaneity, spontaneous acts where you just decided to go for it. I remember one day coming back on my own with the rib. I was going over to Dingle for the day while well, I went over for the afternoon and something to eat and was going back over. It was a glorious day coming across the big massive open bay from Dingle back over to past Valencia and into, into Carcevine. But it was about halfway across the channel and I was saying, what am I going back for? There's nobody there. Why don't I, I decided instead, I just turn right and I said, I'll just go and blast out to Blaskets. So I went out to the Blaskets just on a whim. I had no clothes, nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing with me. No charging cables, the works. Uh, and I pulled up at uh, Blaskets and Lo and behold, the minute I got there, there was a chap there just tying up. He was the ferry boat runner that ran people over and back and they were finished for the day. And I said, any chance at all that there might be somewhere to stay? And he said, you're lucky that you met me because my partner, Alice, runs the guest houses on the island. And he says, hold on, I'll give her a ring. So we rang her and she said, yeah, you can stay in the cottage next to the cafe there. Uh, so I tied up the, the rib. He brought me ashore in a little punt. I went up and... Uh, 
just stay there the night. Little candles, there was no power there, so you had little candles in all of the different rooms and they gave me a little bit of a little bit of turf and they gave me a little bit of coal and they gave me a box of matches and they gave me uh, half a bag of pasta and a can of beans and a bit of pesto and stuff like that. And, ha- you know, the, you know, the McCambridge brown bread, four or five slices of the brown bread. And I was happy out inside there tonight. And I woke up the next morning, opened the, w- looked out the window, no curtains. It was one of the very, very old, old houses that had been refurbed on Blaskets. It was absolutely fabulous. You can stay there yourself if you want to stay there in the summer and book a trip. Woke up the next morning and the sun was shining, the sea was blue. Is and that was, not Peg Sayers' house? Was the that, one that's attached to the to the cafe? No, no. Hers is, is down a little is bit. Is it? Okay, yeah. It was yeah. like Padraigine, someone or other's house. It was okay. a, beautiful though. It's Blaskets, host- stunning. I've been there once. Oh, really, really lovely. Yeah. It's fantastic. And and they're going to put a, they're going to put a toilet out there. It's in the papers this morning. Okay. There's no loo out there. It's insane. So we're not going to ask you how you managed. Um, Actually, you know something? I can't remember. Oh, there was. No, they, 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 in the house where I stayed in, with there the, was. With the restaurant, there must be something with the cafe. No, but I'm saying for the public who just go out to the island as day trippers, there's no one for them, nowhere for the go to the loo. But isn't there in that little cafe next door? Because I remember don't, going... Don't know if that's open to the public. I'd say that might be a bit of a nuisance traipsing in and out. But anyway, it's No, in the it, pa- is, it is open to the public because I've been there. I've had okay. a cup of tea well, there, yeah. There's a story in the papers this morning that that's the next thing they need. Is okay, proper loo toilets. facilities okay, because yeah. of the places that people are actually going to the loo out there, which leaves a lot to be desired. How Wrong do I get on to that? Okay, I want you to come back tomorrow with a spontaneous act that you did God. sometime in your life. I'm very boring. You're, I don't think I. There's got to be something though. We're way over time here, nattering, but we'll pick up on it tomorrow. Think okay, of something let me think spontaneous about it, yeah. that you did. We'll pick it up in the morning. Have a good day, guys. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.